Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for week number two of Godzilla vs. Kong Month, uh, Monsterverse Month, whatever you want to call it. And this, I guarantee, will be the highlight of the last two weeks because it is not 2014's Godzilla. It's a decent movie. 2017's Kong, Skull Island. Uh, and as a huge King Kong fan, uh, I'm very excited to talk about this. It's a movie I've been waiting to talk about since we launched the Oz Network. 100, no, not 100, 900 <laughs> and 99 episodes ago, right? Am I right? Yes, yes this is yes. 999. Let's end it oh. right now. Let's be Donald Bradman, 99, not out. You won't get that reference, but Australians will. <laughs> I think this was meant to be episode three of the Oz Network, and we finally got in there 996 episodes later. Uh, this is, of course, the movie directed by Jordan Voigt Roberts. Let's pronounce it that way. Starring Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, Corey Hawkins, oh. John C. Riley, with very tacked on appearances from Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, who may or may not have actually originally been in this film. Uh, one of my many theories that we're going to get through throughout this. Uh, very excited to talk about this, uh, especially after the disaster that was last week. Um, we get to talk about something decent. Uh, it is not 2014's Godzilla. Uh, let's get into it. My name is Colin, and I've never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I just say it. Just call me whatever you want. And my name is Ben, and you hear that, boys? We're scientists now. <laughs> oh, now we're going to be credible for episode 1001. I scientists. Know. Science, Colin. bitch. Uh, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> I'm excited. And just... just Stop it. Godzilla 2014, good movie. It's Shut up. terrible. <laughs> no. Uh, and you know what? One of the exciting things I'm uh, uh, going to get into here is that this shares the same screenwriter as Godzilla 2014, uh, but Max Bornstein, who solely wrote Godzilla 2014, had two co-screenwriters on this, which is how we know there's decent material this time around. Didn't, uh, didn't they have to get the people in from Jurassic World to, like, fix this up or something? Because, I mean, that doesn't show at all. This is one nothing, of them, yeah. Nothing connected to any Jurassic Park movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so unsimilar. So, Dan Gilroy, uh, who is one of the screenwriters, and Derek Connolly, as you said, who worked on Jurassic World, was the other one. Uh, Dan Gilroy is uh, particularly exciting uh, because he is married to Rene Russo. Oh, well... Stop the press. I want to watch this movie again because that makes it better. Did we? We went over him, didn't we, when we talked about... During Free Jack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I I did my research outside of the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World stuff. So mm -hmm. there you go. So, yeah, as I sort of uh, mentioned at the beginning, we had launched the Oz Network. Our first episode was, what, the beginning of March? Uh, It was because, funny enough, the time of recording this, I was looking through my time hop. And I, I have a video of me doing the very first episode of the Oz Network. We might have to share that. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so we're in March right now recording this. So, yeah, it was it was four years ago, basically, right now we started. Yeah, and I can remember uh, it, w- one of these things like we talked about with Ferris Bueller, not like it's a particularly interesting story, but just di- different events. You remember it very, uh, very well. Uh, Jamie and I had done a review of Logan, which came out the week earlier because I'm like, oh, let me try out doing a review with Jamie. And then we were going to see Kong Skull Island. Now, uh, I was going back to school. Uh, it was supposed to be uh, – no, I think I'd start in January, but I had basically had my first break, and I had to go back to school 
after the spring break or whatever it was, the week off, uh, the day after Kong Skull Island came out. Uh, so this was basically, okay, school's already been brutal. It's only going to get more brutal. So we're going to go see Kong Skull Island. And uh, we saw it and I told Jamie, like, do you want to review this movie with me? And she said, yeah, sure. And then the next day, do you want to review this movie with me? Yeah, sure. And then the next day, do you want to review this movie with me? Yeah, sure. And then Monday came and I was back to school and we had no time to do it. And I think we we mentioned several times, oh, we'll get to Kong Skull Island. But now we're here. And I, as uh, somebody who ranked the original 1932 King Kong and I think my top 10 uh, of all time. And I'm a big King Kong fan, even though there's been some lousy King Kong movies. Uh, this was like one of my must-see movies that entire year. Uh, I'm not going to say that this is like the greatest movie ever made. It, it's it's a good movie. It's it's a decent movie. It's very entertaining. But there's a weird thing about it where I never get sick of this. And uh, I hadn't even occurred to me until I was watching this last night that I've probably seen this movie a half a half 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 a dozen a half a dozen times. Uh, in the last four years. So it's something that I, I frequently go back to, even though I never really think about it as like a really great movie. I had never seen it until last night. I nearly didn't see it last night because the copy I had had uh, Mr. Voight Roberts talking over the top of it and it was annoying me. So I had to find another copy in another manner. And yeah, I don't even know if I really remember this coming out because like I, I went and saw Godzilla 2014 like immediately, you know, was excited. And then I think I heard about this, but then kind of just, I don't think I realized it was part of the MonsterVerse because, you know, it wasn't a type of movie that I feel was marketed that well. Maybe it wasn't. I just wasn't paying attention. And I mean, I've seen the original King Kong. I think anyone, I mean, you know, I, I do have a film degree, people, believe it or not. Um, and I do believe you have to. <laughs> Hold on a second. What's, what, what, was, what was your opinion of Die Another Day again? <laughs> Shut up. That's what got me a high distinction in that class. Um, but so like, you know, this is one of those films you have to study in, in you know, those sort of classes. Um, but it's never been, I've, I don't dislike King Kong. I think King Kong's a good movie, obviously, for the time it was made, all that sort of stuff. But. It was just one of those things where you see it, you're like, cool, that was good, and then you move on. I, I was not like, wow, I want to get into the King Kong franchise. So never really took much note of it. And the only time I think I ever really paid much attention to this being a movie was when I was in Hawaii, like a couple of months after this was released, and I was doing a tour of the uh, Kualoa Ranch. And so you get taken through the valley section, because, you know, it's famously that's where the Jurassic Park stampede happens with the Gallimima. So you get out, you get your photo taken with the log, and then you keep going. And then all of a sudden you're driving through, and I think I might have mentioned that now, Godzilla 20, uh, 90, 98 one, that they've still got, like, the big footprint in the, in the grass because of, you know, the shots from the beginning of that movie. And then you come across to this section, and you've got, like, a big skull, all these bones, obviously from Kong's parents. That makes sense to me now. Because uh, they filmed parts of this movie there and they were like promoting it. They were like, hey, this has just come out, Kong Skull Island, go and see it in cinemas. So that to me was like, oh, right, that movie was a thing. Still didn't see it. <laughs> I don't know why. And then when Godzilla King of Monsters came out, I think I was like, maybe I should watch Kong Skull Island. I didn't. <laughs> um, this is basically my long winded point of saying that I really actually enjoyed this movie. <laughs> um, Good. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Like I really didn't. I'd watched the honest trailer for it. I rewatched it again. And actually John Voight Roberts is in the honest trailer. He's basically pointing out problems in his own movie, which is quite funny to watch. Um, <laughs> but this is entertaining. This was just like, I felt yeah. like it's almost like a music video for like a large portion of this film. It, it never stops. And mm -hmm. like, there's obviously a bit more humor to it, um, which I may say goes a bit too far. 
Um, but yeah, like it's it's enjoyable, and I think kind of what this has made me do because now I've seen all three of the MonsterVerse movies, and I now can say I enjoy all three of them. Uh, that I'm actually super excited now for Godzilla vs. Kong. Not that I wasn't, yeah. but now all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, like this has got me really excited now having now seen all three of them. So long-winded answer, I enjoyed watching this movie. And can, is this just a Marvel movie anyway? Because every single actor is a Marvel actor? <laughs> Pretty close. Um, uh, do we have any DC actors in this one? I mean, is Jack... Uh, Black Jack is 24 in the DCEU. Um, I don't yeah, know. Sure he will be eventually. No, yeah, this is, I never thought about that. It's it's kind of like um, the movie Draft Day uh, with Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner. If, if you go through the cast of that movie, every single one of them has been in a superhero film. You had Tom Welling in that. You have Jennifer Garner, obviously, Kevin Costner. Um, uh, who else? The, the guy who played young Ra's al Ghul is in that movie. The Chadwick Boseman, uh, Dennis Leary. Like, the entire Dennis cast Leary. was in superhero movies. Yeah. So, it, it just complete fluke that it happened but yeah i never actually thought about that and of course a lot of these people had not been in um the marvel movies at this point but they would eventually has john uh, goodman now, been in one i feel john goodman's been no in no no but he uh he was in the cloverfield movies that kind yeah. of counts right yes. he was in <laughs> the Damages. flintstones yeah true he was in curious george three back to the jungle so oh that work transformers transformers movies so yeah okay you know i don't know sometimes i don't know what's more disgusting the amount of distinguished actors who appear in a marvel movie or the distinguished actors who have been in transformers films like (laughs) anthony hopkins starred in a transformers film (laughs) definitely it's a more well it could be worse it could be in a fast and furious movie so oh yeah yeah no when we get helen mirren in a fast and furious movie did that happen (laughs) i I feel like that happened i don't know gal gadot started there didn't she so yeah you know Oh, geez. What, what, what do you um, say? But, uh, no, like I said, I, I was a big fan of Kong movies. Now, unlike Godzilla, which I got into first, I got into when I was younger. I didn't. And by the way, if Helen Mirren is in The Fate of the Furious. <laughs> oh, my Lord. There's a camera. I, I, okay, I shouldn't bag out Helen Mirren for appearing in that. She, like, one of the first things I ever saw, and she was in an episode of Third Watch, and a pretty bad episode of Third Watch. So, uh, yeah, Helen Mirren has done good and bad. Yes. Uh, and she's done Liam Neeson, so we know there's good in there. Definitely uh, good. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, wow. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd ever seen the original King. I probably had seen the original King Kong movie as a kid, but it's not like I was a huge fan of it or anything. When the Peter Jackson King Kong came out, that's when I, I started to get excited about that movie and picked up a copy of the special edition that was released at the time of the original King Kong. Uh, and Peter Jackson went to like great lengths to recreate uh, lost footage uh, that from deleted scenes that you know there were only stills that existed from where he refilmed it. it was it was a really cool DVD. And uh, then I saw the Peter Jackson movie and I'm like, well, that kind of sucked. Uh, I think because I saw the original first, uh, but I did go back and watch the uh, Peter Jackson King Kong several times. Um, now they never made a sequel to that one. It just felt like there's never going to be another King Kong movie, but it's funny that you mentioned how you didn't realize it's part of the MonsterVerse because when it was announced, it wasn't part of the MonsterVerse. Uh, this was originally supposed to be set up at a different studio. Um, and even aside from that, it wasn't originally even announced as King Kong. I remember prior to this being attached to the MonsterVerse, prior to this being what Warner brothers, um, it was, I think universal, 
and they had a Comic-Con announcement where they announced a movie called Skull Island. And because I'm a big King Kong fan, I remember very well that the announcement said, this will not be a King Kong movie. We're going to be setting up a universe where you will eventually maybe see King Kong or there will be you know, uh, uh, allusions towards King Kong in the movie. It's not going to be a King Kong movie. Now, I still don't know whether that was the original plan and they changed it because when it did change studios it was because we want to do King Kong Godzilla. So let's move this so we can create this monster verse. But I actually thought at the time, this is probably a tease because it, it eventually they did announce this as Kong Skull Island and people were still skeptical thinking like, oh, is it just gonna be baby Kong in it or whatever? And then the trailer comes out and it's masking Kong. You mentioned how the marketing, I think part of the problem with the marketing of this was that they either didn't know this was going to be a King Kong movie originally, and then they changed plans, or they had this master plan to keep it secret, and then they wanted to reveal it, but maybe too many things leaked, and they had to release, oh yeah, it's now Kong Skull Island, so that did kill a lot of the marketing for the movie. Which is interesting, because I vaguely remember when Godzilla came out that they were talking about this kind of universe, and I'm like... I always remember this Kong vs. Godzilla thing being mentioned very early, or maybe it was I'm thinking earlier than it was. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's look, we live in this age now where Marvel's destroyed cinema. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. everything's got to be a, a universe and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting that kind of that's how they sort of, they marketed it around that. Um, because... Yeah, I, I didn't realise there was as many King Kong movies as there actually was, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I knew, obviously, the, the original, I knew there was, like, what, a 70s one with Jessica Lange in it, wasn't it? It was on the World Trade mm-hmm. Centres or something. And the, I remember all the hype around the 2005 one, um, which I've, I've actually only seen parts of. I remember when I went to Universal Studios, there was, like, a sort of part of the backlot tour. You got, like, a virtual experience where you were being attacked by, like, the T-Rex and King Kong. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's kind of interesting because Skull, Skull Island is the famous island, right? Like that's where they yeah. go to in the 2005 King Kong and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, even in the original one, uh, even yeah. the idea of the island surrounded by fog that can't be located on a map. Which the one thing I will say, um, I didn't realize this movie was set in the 70s. I thought this was like a modern <laughs> movie, uh, which which does. I mean, I've got questions around the, the cinematic universe of this, um, you know, kind yeah. of the connections. Because now that you mention that, like without that, closing credit scene and without the um the mentions of um, monarch you kind of are like okay is this any way connected to godzilla because i i mentioned last week how <laughs> you know obviously you you disagree with me but you know i wouldn't mind seeing old thumbhead and uh you know uh elizabeth olsen return part of the franchise <laughs> i always like continuity between the characters why not um but i feel like there's is there any connection from the characters in this movie there is <laughs> there is there- okay well, um, in the next movie we're going to get to, next week we'll, we'll talk about one of the characters in King of Monsters that is an older version of a character in this movie. John C. Uh, Riley. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, but even the uh, the timeline that you mentioned for this being placed in the 70s, this was all over the place. Like Just reading up on the history, the uh, initial draft of the screenplay was supposed to have the initial sequence being a pilot from the Vietnam War 
getting lost on this island and they flash forward to modern days. So it would have been the same story, but John C. Riley's character would have been a Vietnam vet and the rest of the characters would have taken place in 2017 or whatever. Then they decided to change that and go back and have the movie take place before the original King Kong. And it was supposed to take place in 1917. Wow. And this was supposed to be like, oh, this is prior to, you know, the the nuclear uh, attacks on Godzilla or whatever in 1954. Uh, and then they went back to, okay, well, let's eventually do, let's do the, the Vietnam story. When Jordan Vogt Roberts came on, he said, I like the idea of Vietnam. Let's just place the whole thing in Vietnam. And uh, that's what the studio really got into. Uh, I think that's what makes this unique too, because Peter Jackson's movie, I mean, there are a lot of problems with that movie. Uh, that's another one of the movies that I did a massive re-edit on uh, for what I think is a much better version of the movie that's only about two hours and 15 minutes long. Uh, but one of the big problems is that, and again, I'm a huge fan of the original King Kong, but it was so um, reverential to the uh, original King Kong movie that it didn't feel unique. And the 1976 one, it was also almost a direct remake of the original, but they changed things just for the sake of changing it. Uh, and this one's like, okay, we're going to have little bits and pieces here and there that are similar to King Kong, but we're going to have a different timeline. We're going to have it set during the Vietnam. The Vietnam War is going to be the backdrop of the movie, different types of characters, and it just sets it apart. Uh, also, as far as like the, the MonsterVerse goes, uh, just a reminder out there to other Marvel fans who like to criticize every other universe for copying Marvel, uh, there were two universes that did this prior to Marvel that Marvel got the idea from. One was Universal Monsters. Uh, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, there were dozens upon dozens of crossover movies. And then you would have a Frankenstein movie, a Dracula movie, a Wolfman movie. And then they would release a movie where they all teamed up together. And then they would repeat the process. And they would release another movie where they all teamed up together. Uh, Godzilla did the same thing. I mean, it, it sort of created... Uh, these other characters like Mothra and Rodan that would spin off their own movies. But King Kong, which was an American production, the Japanese got the rights so that they could use King Kong, which we'll talk about in two weeks. And then they went on and made a, a King Kong movie, just a pure Japanese King Kong movie out of that as well. Uh, so uh, this whole universe originated with both Universal and the Godzilla films. So Marvel, you didn't uh, invent that. Um, I don't think Marvel claims that. It's just the fans do. Uh, but uh Yes. <laughs> Marvel fans Great are watching years. this movie anyway because all the bloody actors are in it. And it's actually... Well, they have to. It's, it's interesting when you mentioned Tom Hiddleston and uh, Brie Larson because, like, when I was talking about that last week and you're like, well, you know, and you kind of allude to that. Like, I get it now. Like, are they, like I don't even think they know they're in this movie. Um, yeah. They just are there. And, like... Bre- I mean, is Brie Larson in this movie? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> was, was, did they just, I think they literally hired Brie Larson to be the, the press photographer for this film to, like, release yeah. the set shots for, like, Empire magazine or something like that because she does nothing. Um, yeah. Absolutely and you no know what? purpose. My theory when I saw this movie the first time, and, again, I'm, I'm a – Big fan of Tom Hiddleston. I'm a huge fan of Brie Larson, uh, just not in this movie. Uh, when I walked out of this, I thought that this was an example of we had a movie and then we realized at the last minute we needed two young actors. So we quickly rewrote the script, threw them in there. It's actually the opposite of that. If you go through the history of this movie, these two characters in at least Dan Gilroy's rewrite were the leads and they had much more prominent roles, which, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of touch on as we uh, uh, cover through the recap here. And then it was in the final rewrite that they ditched the backstory. For whatever reason, they decided to ditch the backstory of their two lead characters and only their two lead characters. And uh, in a way, I'm upset about that because I actually think they had some great ideas for why these characters are there. 
but I'm also not mad at it because the supporting cast of this movie is incredible. I mean, even though some of the minor, minor soldiers are so memorable and so quirky. And I feel like if we had had Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson really have a purpose in this movie, those other characters would have suffered. So mad at it and not mad at it at the same time. Well, one thing I will say with Brie Larson, I'm glad to finally see her smile. I don't think I've ever seen her <laughs> <Yes>. smile. <laughs> she definitely didn't in Captain Marvel. So um, good to see that she can smile. So good for you, Brie Larson. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to be careful on this one because um, I've I've openly told Jamie if you die, Brie Larson's on my replacement wife list. So <laughs> she a couple of times she's heard me say Brie Larson, and then she's like, "You're not leaving me for Brie Larson." Uh, so I, I, I hope Brie Larson knows about this. <laughs> I, I, she doesn't, but come on, look at me. Would she complain? Phone <laughs> call. Hello. Yes. Hi. This is Colin. Hello, Colin. How can I help you? Yes, my <laughs> wife just died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, you're now my wife. Yeah. Okay. I'll be there in five. <laughs> you know, you were third on the list, but uh, Jennifer Garner turned me down. Um, <laughs> That's the Madonna. <laughs> uh, Gal Gadot turned me down, so you're up. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll kind of jump into the movie here, but uh, I don't know uh, if you uh, have any other things you want to touch on uh, with just the history or even the cast of this movie. I, I will say uh, quickly with the casting of this, uh, Samuel Jackson and John C. Riley were not originally in this movie. And again, I think they are hands down the best things in this movie. Uh, but the original uh, actors they had signed on for this, J.K. Simmons was supposed to play the Samuel Jackson role, and he had to drop out. So we would have had a DC actor in there. And Michael Keaton uh, oh. was supposed to play the John C. Riley role, and he had to drop out. So we would have had another DC actor in there. Uh, but in the end, they decided, okay, well, let's replace J.K. Simmons with Samuel Jackson, which I think is great uh, uh great recast and uh john c Riley over michael keaton normally i would say you can't replace michael keaton but i mean john c Riley is just so good in this movie like i can't complain i i love john c Riley. it's kind of interesting though when you see these actors that you just know so well for comedy when they're able to pull off sort of some of the the serious ones like i mean we're talking about king kong 2005 again i've only seen bits of it jack black i mean he, he's an actor though that i think never gets credit when he's actually in dramatic roles jack black's actually a really good actor um, but then like, I, I think we mentioned recently, we we're talking about Anaconda, weren't we? I think that was on the beautician and the beast. And, you know, you think about that when all of a sudden you realize, oh, Owen Wilson's in a serious role and like talking about Jurassic Park. And I will say that this movie to me is basically a remake of the lost world Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. that, uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn, you know, these sort of actors. So maybe it's just a thing that you've got to have like tropical islands and giant creatures. You need to have Owen Wilson, John C. Riley, and Vince Vaughn. And, and Jack Black. So it's just a thing that you've got to have them. But uh, also, I will say, like, this actually was a lot more of a war movie than I realized as well. Like, it's it's kind yeah. of a war movie in some aspects. And again, as a movie that I've seen at least a half a dozen times in four years, I always forget certain things about it. Like, I, I, I knew that this was placed during the Vietnam War, but even though this is taking place at the tail end of the Vietnam War, I mean, so much of what goes on in this movie and the events that are going to happen and what the characters do is based on the Vietnam war. Um, except for Tom Hiddleston, and Brie Larson, because they really have no purpose <laughs> to be there. <laughs> Who? Uh, but uh, let's get into the recap here. So uh, opening sequence, we get just the sound effects of a, a dogfight, a world war two dogfight, And you see a plane go down uh, and uh, John C. Riley, young John C. Riley, doesn't he look exactly like John C. Riley? <laughs> Absolutely. Just spitting image. I automatically thought that's definitely going to be John C. Riley in this movie. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I could buy this as young Michael Keaton, but this actor who plays young John C. Riley will appear again in the movie uh, as a different character. Uh, and uh, when he crashes on the island, uh, we get another plane going down, and then we get the Japanese soldier uh, who only appear in the opening sequence but becomes important to the story. Uh, they have a quick little gun shootout. They have uh, a sword fight. So the, the Japanese soldier pulls out a sword. I love that uh, John C. Riley tries to grab this sword and it's like slicing his hands. Uh, and their fight gets interrupted by a giant hand of King Kong slapping down in front of them. And we get like our, our first introduction to King Kong here, uh, right in the opening sequence. And then we get into a very Godzilla-like montage for the opening credits, um, which is instead of going through the history of Kong, it's going through the history of World War II to present day. Uh, you could just say this is a history lesson, but there are a couple of things in here that um, are important uh, obviously, some of the stuff with the Vietnam War uh, is going to be important in this movie. Uh, and then there's, uh, I believe, a, a quick flash on screen about Monarch, which is the organization that uh, this MonsterVerse is based around. And it flashes forward to 1973, and we get introduced to uh, John Goodman and Corey Hawkins. Now, uh, we've talked a lot about Corey Hawkins' lack of, uh, um, I'm not going to say enthusiasm, I'm not going to say charisma, oh, what would be the word? lack of charisma. life, pulse. <laughs> I'm going to say pulse because I think it goes beyond lack of charisma in uh, 24. Um, but I had told you I was a big fan of him in Straight Outta Compton. And I don't, I don't know. Had you ever seen him in anything? Because I knew him from this no. in Straight Outta Compton and liked him. I, I mean, look, and, and again, it's it's no disrespect to Corey Hawkins because I've seen him in one role and it was terrible. And it's it's not his fault that he's got crap to work with. But uh, no, this is the first thing I've seen. I mean, he's much better in this than he is in, in yeah. 24 Legacy. I mean, he's... he's he got a bit of personality to him. He he reminded me a lot of the um, uh, the what's his face in Fallen Kingdom, the the geeky dude in that movie, just kind of the type of character. Oh, I'm not yeah. just saying that because they're both black. I'm just in terms of the character, <laughs> they were kind of similar well, in that aspect. That's the the desk jockey who gets yeah. thrown into the jungle, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I I love Corey Hawkins in this movie. I'm not going to say he's as good as John C. Riley or Samuel Jackson, but uh, so many people. This is the big difference between this and Godzilla, like 2014 Godzilla. Is that all the characters except for Tom Hiddleston, and Brie Larson have life. They have personality. They they have quirks. They're they're unique. They're entertaining, and you can get it within the opening scene here with John Goodman and Corey Hawkins. And they have chemistry together. I, I mean, I agree with you. I definitely agree. I think kind of maybe they were just going to continue this on from Godzilla by having a couple of lifeless logs in it with uh, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson. But the one thing I'll just say now, though, is like it reminds you a lot of kind of the DCEU in where the tone shifts a lot. Like you kind of you expect yeah. the whole thing. And like that's one thing I actually really liked about Godzilla 2014 is I kind of like the darkness about it. I like the sort of the, the groundedness. And, you know, that brought issues with it. Don't get me wrong. But I still like that. But then you kind of you go to the other point where this really almost does feel like a Marvel movie at some points where you just got to go for the over quips and the humor and things yeah. like that. And okay, I get it. You need that. But from memory, Godzilla King of Monsters, like it has it, but I don't know if it has it this much. I could be wrong. It's I've only seen that once, but um, yeah, like, I don't know. I like it's, when you, when you gradually build up to it, it's fine. But like when you just go from one to another so quickly, uh, and again, that might just come down to the fact that maybe this movie wasn't initially meant to be part of it, and then they just kind of kept going with it. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. There are moments where they shift very quickly between the tones of the movie. Uh, but, I mean, I'm okay with it just because we actually have some humor in this and we have some life. Uh, but uh, John Goodman and Corey Hawkins, uh, you don't really get told right away, but 
they're kind of the quacks of uh, the political science community, whatever community they happen to be in. And uh, this is all taking place uh, during the withdrawal from Vietnam. And uh, they're going to see, a, I'm guessing it's supposed to be a, a senator or something like that. Yeah, it is a senator. And uh, we get a nice little cameo here mm. from uh, future. Uh, did he win the Academy Award for Shape of Water? I remember us saying we, we thought he should have won for Shape of Water. Richard Jenkins? I don't think he did. But um, I was sort of, I like the fact that kind of, you know, all the tie-ins and connections that we have to, you know, the Marvel movie and that sort of stuff. Uh connection to john c riley he was in stepbrothers with john c riley so he was he was his dad oh. wasn't he from memory so um mm. there you go like the the stepbrothers cinematic universe with elf well, here he is <laughs> yeah. richard jenkins <laughs> oh we're just creating this elf stepbrothers universe so week by yeah. week here it's true uh, i'm buying it i believe <laughs> that theory so much but uh basically the premise of the scene here is that <laughs> sent me a picture of somebody on fire <laughs> okay <laughs> um, I do love that this is what you're well, like, ha, guy burnt to death in Winnipeg today. Here's his corpse. Um, I, she heard me talking about Brie Larson and she's like, you know what? I'll get your mind off of her. Uh, <laughs> now you're thinking of Brie Larson on fire and, and then you're leaving Jamie altogether. Oh, that's... That's that's one time where it's just sad, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, the the senator here is trying to avoid their call. They're, they're uh, showing up at the desk. like, hi, we have an appointment with senator, whatever. It's like, oh, uh, he's busy right now. Could we reschedule? It's like, uh, nope, we're here. We're gonna see him. And then the senator comes out and is, hey, we're gonna have to reschedule with you. You've rescheduled five times already. Give me five minutes. Like, fine, fine, let's get this over with. And like this senator, I mean, this is where you get the idea that they're just quacks. Like nobody takes you seriously. She's sending me more photos. I'm gonna ignore it. Tell her, tell her to send me some photos. Are, it's been a while since I've got some from her. There are like four in a row that she just sent me, and I can't look. Because of um, oh, and then she puts four later. Okay, that has me intrigued. All right. Wow. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, but uh, they just want to piggyback off at the end of the Vietnam War. And he basically says, listen, uh, we know you don't believe in these monsters. You don't believe in our science or whatever, but uh, this will be cheap for you to send us since we still have Vietnam soldiers over there. Uh, and do you want us to discover this or do you want the Russians to get it? And he's like, all right, fine, you can go. Not the Russians. Uh, the Russians are evil. And um, he says, what do you need? I need a military escort. So we get introduced to all of our soldier characters here. I mean, there's so many of these guys. Like, I, I feel like they all have distinct personalities and looks, but like, I don't even know if I can count how many of these soldiers there are, but it's impressive that you know which one is which just by looking at them and that you remember all of them. But like, I don't know, running through these guys, you got the, uh, the young guy with the, I don't know, the headband uh, who apparently can carry a record player around with him because he's, <laughs> he's, he's the walking jukebox. This works when you're parachuting into a jungle uh, and all that. Uh, you've got um, Samuel Jackson, obviously you got the, older let's call him the older grizzled soldier who loves his machine guns um shay wiggum got he's off things shay wiggum yeah 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 uh lots of things in fact which can you i just point out is- i thought he died in every scene like when this helicopter's crashing like i swear every single time they cut to a helicopter i saw him die you know, like, oh wait no he wasn't weird. there is there is there and he survived yeah, no, that is weird because there are other characters in this movie where I swore they survived and they never show up again. I'm like, well, I guess they died. <laughs> again, some problems with this movie, but uh, uh, Shea Wiggum actually going to be in the next two Mission Impossible movies, so that's going to be exciting. 
and then the the other guy here. Now I recognize him from a million different things, and the only one I can place is he was in. This is the um, the other soldier that's the other young soldier that survives. Um, what's the actor's name here? Jason Mitchell. Is this the right guy here? Uh, so he was also in Straight Outta Compton uh, and Skull Island, and he was on the TV show Fargo. Was he not? No, he was not. Um, I'm thinking of a different character, maybe. Anyways, lots of these guys. Again, too many to keep track of, but they're all introduced here. Uh, and then you get the other boring guy in this movie who's writing a letter to his son. Now, uh, I don't want to take too many shots at this actor, Toby Kebble, but um, He's all he, was, he was Dr. Doom in the reboot of Fantastic Four. Um, so he's also not terribly excited in this movie, but... He's one of these Andy Circus guys that has done a lot of motion capture work, uh, particularly in the Planet of the Apes movies. And I think he's an incredible actor for the motion capture stuff he does. Uh, and he is one of the two performers who does uh, Kong in this movie as well. So he gets to be the only person who's killed by himself, I guess, technically, in this movie. <laughs> did we talk uh, about last week about how there was somebody who was doing motion capture for Godzilla? I don't think we even mentioned that, did we? No. Did they get a guy who's used to being in a rubber suit? Yeah, there was something like I was reading about it that it did that. And like that, that actually surprises me because like I don't ever get any inkling in these movies that they've they've used people like, you know, the classic Japanese ones or that. Like I just assume it's purely CGI. So Yeah. Uh it, it, I mean it's interesting that they that they do use that. And it's, it's I kinda like how they do use like the the guy in the motion capture suit to be an actual character. Because they use both yeah. of them, don't they? Yeah, well, no, I think uh, the main, like, Toby Kebbell, who plays the the guy writing a letter to his kid, he um, mostly just sort of did some little bits and pieces here and there just for the facial reactions of Kong. Uh, but Terry Nordery, who also was in the Planet of the Apes movies, who does the majority of Kong, I don't think he's in the movie other than it's just his Kong himself. But it's it's great that he gets a screen credit, too, because I think Andy Serkis has been one of the only motion capture performers to actually get a screen uh, credit but when you're going through the opening cast of this movie, you know, Terry Notary, who plays Kong in this movie, is listed among the rest of the actors. Do, do you think um, he just teases, like, friends and family, like, hey, I'm in a movie. Sweet, let's go watch it. And they're watching, yeah. and then all of a sudden King comes on screen. Hey, that's me. Like, yeah, good on you, Terry. <laughs> yeah. Who are you really? No, 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 that's me. Oh, Terry, stop pulling my classic Terry. Lol, pulling a, pulling a Swifty. Who are you really? Can't, can't you tell me. by the dong? Yeah. Oh, it really is Terry. Wow, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, uh, yeah, no, Andy Serkis also in the Peter Jackson King Kong movie, he uh, played a live action role as well as doing the motion capture for Kong and that. Um, we get introduced to all of our essential characters after uh, Samuel Jackson's cruise in here, uh, which is former SAS tracker Tom Hiddleston, huh. because they need somebody to track somebody and they need somebody to have their sleeves rolled up to show off their muscles. And as Jamie described it, a very handsome man in a very scrawny body is the way she describes <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> That's how you're described um, often. Good job. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. The, we're two of a kind. Uh, but um, uh, the way they introduce this character, I, this isn't to me like uh, last week with... Um, Aaron Taylor thumb where they're cramming the character down your throat. I think that's the one thing that saves Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson in this movie. They are very tacked on, but there are only a couple of moments where they try to cram them down your throat. Like this is our big hero. Cause for the most part, they don't even belong in this movie, but this opening scene is one of the ones that kind of bugs me. Like, Oh, he's this tough guy in this bar. And uh, the, they want him to track something in a jungle. All right, I'll do it. But you have to tell me what I'm tracking. They're like, no, 
<laughs> okay, I'll still do it. It's just, it's stupid that he agrees so quickly to this, but this is where the disappointment begins. His character, the backstory that was in Dan Gilroy's draft that they cut was that he was the survivor, like what they gave John Goodman in this movie, which I don't think John Goodman's character needed. He was the survivor of some type of, you know, accident where he saw Kong and he was desperate to go back here and he had a reason to be the tracker. What is he tracking in this movie? <laughs> does he track anything though? Like, we, yeah, like there's one scene in the movie where he does it. And I'm gonna mock that scene endlessly when we get there. But his character doesn't need to be there because they're not tracking anything. They're dropping bombs and then waiting for it to come out. And then when they're crashed on the island, oh, let's go this way, guys. That's it. And what do you need to track? It's like a fucking giant gorilla. Like, it's, I mean, it's if the you need... size of the mountain. Exactly. Everywhere they go, they see it. Like, I mean. Uh, in watching Lost, like everyone can track there, like Kate and Locke, they're all good at tracking shit. Like, put them on here. That like yeah. Tom Edison does nothing. And the thing is, I'm reading here too, and I should know this. I mean, I, I thought the um, SAS was just a, like maybe a, in Britain as well. I know that definitely Australia has an SAS, but obviously it is a, the Australian SAS. It says here on Wikipedia that he worked with the Australian SAS. So that's the background. yeah. Wasn't his character? Wasn't his character supposed to be uh, that he had uh, served under both British and Australian? Probably. You know, we're all imperial controlled aren't we I, I, I don't know but uh, like it's just it it is so weird that you say that like they were cast first because like the more and more I think about it like the, the, nothing changed it's like the Indiana Jones argument take Indiana Jones out nothing changes the same thing happens the difference is that is that you've got the charismatic awesome Indiana Jones like you remember Harrison Ford you want him in the movie like I, I can literally think about this movie and every moment I'm thinking of does not have Tom Hiddleston or Brie Larson yeah in it. like exactly and even at the end when you think, oh, here we go, here are the two hot people about to kiss. They don't even kiss. Not that I wanted them to, yeah. but, like, you think they're going to because they're hot and they've got a kiss. Um, <laughs> it's such a waste of Tom Hiddleston and I suppose Brie Larson, but, again, I've still not seen her in anything good. So, you know. Now, her introduction, uh, equally annoying for something that I think we've frequently talked about on here. Uh, when you want to introduce an empowering female character, you don't have to be like, it's a woman. <laughs> that is her introduction. Uh, photographer, Mason Weaver. You get the Roger Moore, a woman. <laughs> and the thing that bothers me about this scene is not the fact that they're like, oh, it's a woman. What is she doing here? Uh, it's the fact that his reaction is probably based on her name. And they try to, Jordan Vollett Roberts directs this, like, how dare he? Now, none of the other characters in this movie even bat an eye. When she, Samuel Jackson's like, oh, so you did some work here? All right, get on board. But you have this one guy that's like, a woman? But realistically, her she has a male name. Yeah. His surprise is in the fact that what is a woman doing on a mission? Like, it's just stupid. It's the dumb line. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, maybe it's a Brie Larson thing. I mean, it's two movies <laughs> I've seen where they've got to pay attention to it. But And what is she, an anti-war photographer? So, like, by her taking photos, she's like, girl, I'm going to go to war and show how bad it is. War, war, it's terrible. Like, do people need photos to understand? Like, are people sitting in America like, going, yeah, war. Oh, there's a photo here. Oh, it looks bad. Maybe we shouldn't support it. Like, well, I feel like it's kind of one of those redundant jobs where people <laughs> know, like, even if it's a pro-war photographer, like, oh, look at the boys in blue being trotting through the jungles of the Viet Cong. Yay, go America. 
And again, I think this is where so much of the characters' backstories would have helped here. So for them to not just be so pointless and something we're just making fun of, because the the idea that I think her character supposed to be, uh, and, and it might be, I think it's even this opening scene where, yeah, with Samuel Jackson, where uh, you know, he's talking about her, you know, uh, being an Andy. Oh, you're the reason that uh, everybody hates us back home, and she's like, you're blaming the person without a gun for you know losing this war, and he goes you know camera is way more dangerous than a gun and he was and by the way we didn't lose the war we abandoned it i mean that's gonna be important to samuel jackson's character later on but the idea of her character was that she was just not an anti-war photographer she was a photographer that got there and when she started having to take pictures and realize how terrible this war was she became so depressed like oh i don't have anything to live for i don't know why i'm doing this anymore and then getting to the island and seeing kong was where she her character was supposed to suddenly be like Oh my goodness! I know what I want to do with my life again. Look at this; it's incredible. Like it gave her <coughs> this big boost in her confidence. And there's a massive problem with this at the end. There's one thing that really annoyed me. But um, again, this is the Lost World Jurassic Park. Like, yeah. you know, Nick Van Owen. This is who she is essentially. Nick Van Owen had better character and and more to do. Basically, even though he was the massive villain of that movie, we went over that. But um, like I just. Because the thing is, it's not really explained. Like, you, it's interesting about how you're saying all this backstory because we need that because Tom yeah. Wilson's character, oh, he was in the SAS, he can bash a guy in a bar. And also, why does he want five times the amount of money and then he wants a bonus when he survives? So he's going to spend all his money because he's expecting to die? That makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but, but then this character, like Brie Larson's character, the, the one sort of line we get of explaining why she wants to go on this mission is she's like, I've heard something big's happening and each three people I've said said exactly the same thing, which means it's scripted and it's covering up. So I need to go see this. That's it. That's her background. It's like, yeah. okay, um, yeah. sure. And also, can I just point out, because I'm going to forget this and I want to say this right now, why is John Goodman perceived as the bad guy in this movie? I have no idea. And it's funny because when uh, I was watching this, like Jamie uh, only sort of caught like the last little bit with me. And she was like, oh yeah, John Goodman, he's really good at playing a bad guy like in this movie and other movies. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what's weird? It's like they present him as a bad guy in this, but he's not. I don't understand it. Like to me, it's kind of like Deep Blue Sea, the the main woman, right? Like she's mm-hmm. portrayed as being evil because she's created the sharks. And I would love to do Deep Blue Sea with you because it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I don't think she's evil at all. <laughs> yeah. Like not at all. So like, again, this is us defending the villains of our movies. But like it's kind of – I don't get the John Goodman is evil – arc and then he's just death because you know why not we're going to kill john goodman for the sakes of it but i mean he's the ken watanabe of this movie and yeah exactly and but like ken watanabe not evil you know he's like <laughs> oh let them fight like i'm here to do this blah 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 whereas john goodman it's like grr he wants to go to an island and discover a giant monster oh evil evil get away john goodman yeah th- there's a lot of problems with john goodman being a villain in this movie the main reason being that He's the only reason that this movie exists. <laughs> if yeah. he doesn't say, let's go to the island, and he's not going there to kill Kong, you know? He's going there. We, we have to prove that these things are real, especially if, the, if this movie had come before Godzilla, it might be different. But we know that this monarch organization is going to be so important, and he's the only thing left of monarch here in the 70s. Nobody takes this seriously. This mission is the only reason that there's going to be any hope for the future in Godzilla. So it, it's just his character's not developed well at all. But, I mean, he's John Goodman. Even Corey um, Hawkins, can I just say, like, they kind of keep alluding that he wrote a paper on something and he wanted to prove The Hollow Earth prove- Theory, yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, that's important. I, I sort of have read, watched a couple of videos, and that's kind of, you know, I think plays into King of Monsters from memory, doesn't it? So, mm. um Obviously, that's important for the, the the universe, but like I mean, even then, it's like 
this is it's weird. Like I feel like I'm doing exactly what I did last week, like ripping into this movie, but I enjoyed it. But it's kind of it's very yeah shallow and some of these characters like they're entertaining they're a lot more entertaining than godzilla 2014 but at the same time it's like our main people we need some more on them Mm -hmm. to make them more believable i guess also i can't believe i missed this but uh you were mentioning like how many moments in this really tie into the other movies uh john goodman does have a quick mention of we tried to eliminate these things with nukes in 1954 which is you know how godzilla really started uh, and I don't know, we're going to find out more when we get to uh, Godzilla versus Kong, but uh, I, I almost feel like this movie is trying to establish that all the monsters out there were originally from Skull Island and that Kong sort of the one main one that, that stayed there because they even talk about be the last of our saviors. Uh, that'll come up later on in the movie. But uh, there's a few little things here and there where you start to feel like, oh, I see them sort of tying this and this together. Um we have a quick briefing on the mission. We have a quick scene with Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston meeting each other because our two leads have to meet and share in their mediocrity. <laughs> um, we have uh, the the approaching storm here. So when they're coming up to Skull Island, you see this surrounded in the fog. Now, in all the other Kong movies, it's just a fog. I love them. This is like a big storm. So it's not just, oh, you know, nobody can get in there. You can get in there, but would you want to go in there? And I, I think they even mentioned, oh, it's it's not going to be as bad as it looks. Now, Samuel Jackson and the soldiers are going to lead them in there. And uh, during the approach here on the island in the storm, we get uh, a very famous Jurassic Park line from Samuel Jackson yeah. where he says, hold on to your butts, <laughs> which, which is, is great. That, do you think that's deliberate? Do you think that's just... Oh, it has to be deliberate. Surely, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's... um. There's another moment that's going to come up in a second that I'll mention where Jamie's like, oh, is that another Samuel Jackson line? And I don't think it necessarily was, but uh, uh, but this one guaranteed, there's no way you have Samuel Jackson say it, especially say it's so exaggerated. Yeah. Everybody, hold on to your butts. Which uh, yeah. I also love in this point that you talk about like the, oh, let's point out that Brie Larson's a strong woman. Like there's this part and I don't don't think it's got anything to do with it but it annoys me when she walks up to the helicopter and she looks at Tom Hiddleston and kind of does that little shuffle motion with her hand and they kind of have this smirk like oh yeah like I'm powerful I can tell you what to do the whole other side of the helicopter is wide open (laughs) with an empty seat I'm sorry Brie Larson's just been a pain in the ass I'd be like what the fuck are you doing then go on the other side (laughs) like like if the door was closed or something like that like let her in but like literally the whole side of the helicopter is open and also I think this is a big criticism of this movie, and I think the director's come out because he de- he definitely talks about it in the honest trailer to try and explain it more. But it, it doesn't look like there's this many helicopters on that boat, and all of a sudden there's like a yeah. hundred helicopters. <laughs> and again, he explains it's it, a that very small boat. He explains it. No, there's more helicopters underneath. But I'm calling bullshit, <laughs> Mister Director. Yeah, in the, in, the, in the cargo hold where they carry it up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, like, the cool shot here is they all leave at the same time. Like, if you're carrying them up the stairs, that's probably, like, an hour process. Like, all right, Jenkins, like, be yeah. up comes a helicopter. All right, like, hold on to your butts again. We're still going. Yeah. You, like, chew through, like, half of your fuel while your other ones are hovering just so you can get a cool shot of you flying into the fucking hurricane. And, you know, we should say we're mocking Tom Hiddleston's, ooh, I'm a strong, tough man, and Brie Larson's, ooh, I'm a strong, tough woman introductions. That will be the last interesting thing they get to do in this entire movie. So (laughs) at least they had something. Uh, You got to wonder, like, they signed on to the script where their characters were cut. Yeah. That's really weird. I I mean, 
I literally don't think of anything that Brie Larson does at this point. Like she gets picked up by Kong. Is that meant to be a homage yeah. to the original King Kong? I'm guessing. Um, mm-hmm. She cries because she sees Kong. Um, yeah, fuck. I don't know. Like that's it. Thanks, oh, Brie Larson, for one, showing up. <laughs> one moment that each of these characters get, and again, I will mock it when it comes up. Um, so yeah, this sequence where they're coming up and they're going through the storm is fantastic. I love them blasting music. There's a lot of this is a great soundtrack. I mean, people give Guardians of the Galaxy all the credit, you know, for the soundtrack, and that is a great soundtrack. But I would put Kong Skull Island up there as well. I mean, it perfectly uses the music of the time period. And any Vietnam movie, you just have the same songs over and over again. I love that they they change it up a little bit in this movie. It's not just here's all the same Vietnam songs over and over again. Uh, there's a, like the one CCR song, Fortunate Son, which you'll always hear in a Vietnam movie. And this one says, we're going to put CCR and we're going to have Bad Moon Rising instead, you know? Uh, so I, good soundtrack in this movie. And Black it's, Sabbath. it's such Black it's Sabbath. Yeah, you would never expect to hear that. Yeah. Uh, but also the, uh, the Apocalypse Now, there's a lot of Apocalypse Now uh, homages in this movie. Uh, and the first one has to be them blasting the music out of the helicopter. I, obviously, they're not blasting Ride of the Valkyries, but uh, uh, it's obvious that's what they're going for with like these soldiers who are kind of crazy and going in the storm. Now, when they go over the island, here is the Jurassic Park shot. We're going to have five minutes of flying. <laughs> yeah, five minutes of scenery flying over the island with the, the big music orchestra playing. Uh, it does look incredible, though. I mean, I, I'm glad that they filmed in a real location for this. There are some shots that are very obvious that is done on a soundstage with green screen. Uh, but the fact that it's so obvious that that's what those shots are shows you how much stage work and like real stage work with sets and how much real location shooting they did in this movie. Uh, and uh, as Black Sabbath gets played here, uh, paranoid over uh, the, the island flyover as they start bombing. Um, this is where a giant tree comes to the camera. Now, I, I did give a lot of credit in Godzilla to the way Gareth Edwards visually shot sequences. But I'm going to say this initial attack by Kong, I think, blows away anything that we see in either Godzilla movie. Uh, just th- that one shot of the tree slowly coming towards the, the helicopter just to introduce it. And then the way that they reveal Kong here as the helicopters going down, you just have that, that one soldier who's holding on for dear life and it's shot from inside the helicopter. So you're seeing the scenery spin, but the, the camera's steady. Uh, and then as Kong actually comes in, you just see his face like right in there. It's fantastic. And then this entire fight sequence with the helicopters with Kong ripping apart. I mean, this is what most people associate King Kong with would have been the original on top of the uh, empire state building. Uh, you know, grabbing planes with his hand and swatting them out of the sky. And then in the 76 one, doing it on the World Trade Center. They get it out of the way right away here. Let, let's introduce the Kong climax in the opening sequence. Uh, and uh, it's an incredible, uh, like, visual sequence. Uh, I do like, though, um, the the shot of King Kong's uh, mouth going into bite. And then they cut to the guy biting the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the weird shifts of humor in this that actually strangely does work. Uh, and uh, also we have that that silhouette shot of Kong too, which I think is the poster shot of him just against the with the the sun rising or setting. I can't remember which one it is in the background, and you just see Kong's silhouette. Uh, and um, uh, I guess we'll kind of stop here, uh, just as the uh, let's just get into this one line here that I loved. Uh, the the guy who uh, it's not Samuel Jackson um, uh, talking about who is it that's talking about the, the mama. Who's the mama's boy? Um. Oh yeah, the guy you were talking about before. Yeah, um, 
because he has a yeah. Um, because where's that? Where's the talk, they're talking about we'll the letters. Like boy. you wrote off like thirty letters and you only got like fifteen back or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you yeah, think yeah. it's his girlfriend and his mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, where, where it's like, uh, uh, do you love your mother? And it's like, I love my mother. How much do you love your mother? I love my mother so much. And then so he dies. Uh, and then we just sort of get um, Samuel Jackson staring through the flames. This is gonna set up the second act of the movie. Just Samuel Jackson's rage as the parties get split up. I, I, yeah, the action stuff is amazing. Like I mentioned before how it's kind of almost like a film clip, like just the way it's shot. Cause you just have these like shots, you know, all the helicopters and all of a sudden you just have like a slow-mo of all the helicopters, rotors going around. You got like the overhead shot of it slow-mo. Like it's just cool. It's just the way it kind of looks like it legitimately feels like a cool movie. You, you know, he's a random comparison. Armageddon, you know how they just randomly, Michael Bay will throw in some slow-mo. It's not just Armageddon. Yeah. He does it in all these movies and like slow-mo is one of these things that it works. It works well. When it doesn't work, it's just over you. Die another day. It is used. It's <laughs> stupid. Like you don't need slow-mo and die another day. But like this, all the slow-mo is brilliant. Like just the, the way you kind of got it with the soundtrack and you got them flying over the island and you got random animals flying around and just, oh, it's so good. Um, and just the way it's shot, like, as you said, like the poster shot and like the sunrise or sunset and just visually this movie's amazing. Like did, this got nominated for an Oscar, didn't it? But I don't think yeah. it was for visual effects or anything, was it? Yeah, no, was it did it? get a visual effects nomination. Oh, it deserved it. Like it was so mm-hmm. like this just movie looks gorgeous. Gorgeous. It does. Wonderful. Gorgeous. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the stuff. In, I don't really have a whole lot to add in the whole lead up to it because, I mean, you know, it's just – Meet this guy. Meet this guy. I do kind of like Samuel L. Jackson at first when he's just he's sulking and he's all like, "Ooh, what was it for?" And you know, "Oh, I'm gruff. I'm Samuel L. Jackson." Um, so <laughs> that's my Samuel L. Jackson impersonation, everyone. Yeah, you, I'm Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> if you were wondering, um, I am Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I wonder if he knows Lapita Nyong'o. Um, <laughs> you know, like they could share a scene together. I'm Lapita Nyong'o, and I'm Samuel. <laughs> Jackson, together <laughs> we are your hosts of the Oscars. Da, 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 da. I would watch that Oscars. Oh, who wouldn't? I'm tired of these motherfucking Oscars being handed out to the motherfucking white people. These are all for us now. Screw you all. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. I'm Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> no, you're not. You're Lawrence Fishburne. Don't start with me, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, jokes are funny. Um. But yeah, like uh, the 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 hurricane sequence, like flying in, that's epic. And like this is straight away, like I'm going, like oh, you're about to lose like five helicopters here. This is why you've got three hundred helicopters because you need to have them disposable, right? Um, but again, this movie is the Lost World Jurassic Park, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's not just me. Like, literally, yeah. it is basically the Lost World Jurassic Park, except they don't take the giant creature off the island in the end. And then you do have elements of Jurassic Park three though, because you've kind of got like the Spinosaurus fighting with the T-Rex and all that sort of stuff. But you know, that's weird that the the one thing that the lost world stole from King Kong, King Kong says, we're going to steal everything from the lost world, except for that. Yeah. And again, I, I I defend that ending of the movie. I don't think it's that bad. Um, But how many helicopters, like I would actually like to sit down and count the amount of helicopters that we see, because then I think they also add like another 50 helicopters to this fight sequence. Right. Like I feel Mm -hmm. that all these other ones like came aboard and did that. And also how do so many people survive these helicopter crashes? 
Like it's yeah, it's it's, it's brutal. It's, like these are getting flung down and blown up and everything, but like so many people actually survive. One thing that you've always got to have on a movie like this, you've always got to have the the one sort of dude who's scared and oh no, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, and then he ultimately ends up meeting a pretty cruel death. That's me. I'm the scared guy <laughs> on these expeditions. I feel for them. Like, why do you always have to kill off the scared guy? Like, make the scared guy survive. Come on. Like, that's, you know. Um, but I also like the way, like, at the beginning of this movie, I'm kind of like Samuel Jackson. I'm like, grr, like, bad King Kong <laughs> killing the people. Um, and then ultimately you got to side with him. But having said that, though, Samuel Jackson kind of brought it on himself. Uh, I mean, yeah. you did fly directly at this thing. You could have gone, oh, shit, giant monkey. Let's bugger off, go the other direction. <laughs> like, film it. Like, take photos of it. Like, you, you're kind and of igniting the did, anger here by King Kong. And don't you love the one pilot who's like, is that a giant monkey? <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, though. At least they're responding to it in this movie. Exactly. Exactly. This is the reaction last week. It's just like, oh, Giant dinosaur. Sup? Sup, Sup Godzilla? <laughs> How you doing? Back back to work. This one, they're like, holy fuck, it's a giant monkey. Like, clearly people in the 70s were a little bit more shocked. But by the 2010s, everyone was used to it. Like, ah, Sup they, Godzilla? That's because every character in this movie is on LSD throughout yeah. the course of this film. <laughs> but do you also have to think, like, in this alternate universe of, of you know, the monsterverse, so the movie King Kong was never released. Like, we have President Richard Nixon. <laughs> so, like, Richard Nixon's a thing because we have the bobblehead and we see the, the footage, right? So that's grounded in reality. But in this universe, 1933's King Kong doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. what happened to cinema in this universe? <laughs> like, Is I there a Jurassic know. Park by the time yeah. we get to King of Monsters? Maybe. Who knows? So Because, like, I want them to be like, whoa, that's that giant monkey from King Kong. I've always wanted to meet him. Yeah. Yeah, no, nobody goes to Universal Studios in Florida in this yeah. universe. <laughs> it's, well, this is what, a, a Warner production, right? So no, they can't uh, acknowledge that yeah. another film studio exists. But also like needless soldiers getting killed off here, like getting crushed and things like that. Like I, I if I was an actor and you're starting off in Hollywood, you know, you go for your extras. I, I would love to be just random person who gets killed by like Godzilla or Kong in a movie, you know? Like mm-hmm. there's a guy who gets flung up into the helicopter and then gets like chopped up in the rotors. Like imagine if that was you, like taking your wife to the <laughs> cinema. Oh, there I am. That's me. Oh, there's my guts. Look at my blood. There I am. Ooh, okay, we can go now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get excited. Now, right after the the initial attack here happens, we get more of exactly what we were talking about that we needed in the the first Godzilla movie, which is reactions. Not only during that attack scene do you have everybody looking genuinely terrified, screaming, saying things like, it's a giant monkey! (laughs) You get this guy, the the, the mama's boy here. uh, I think it's him uh, as well. I don't have it written in my notes because I don't know any of the characters' names. uh, Where... Everybody's just sort of going on about the well. One guy, the, the the sandwich eating guy, is now eating again and just going on about his business. And he's like, "Seriously, are we not going to talk about this? What just happened is not normal. That doesn't happen in real life." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, How do you even have an appetite right now? <laughs> the guy's eating his can of beans. Uh, but you I were like missing back and so forth much. between those two. Sorry, oh, they're I, great. I, they're so funny. Well, that's the that's the other thing is that not only do you have like because Godzilla 2014 had a good cast. And it also had Aaron Taylor Johnson, but it mostly had a good cast. Uh, a good cast doesn't make a good movie. It's chemistry. And I don't know if Jordan Voigt Roberts had these actors spend a lot of time together, but these people, they, they all feel like that they know each other and they've served with each other for years. And I know a lot of military movies 
will put their actors through like, you know, a 48 hour boot camp or sometimes a seven day, two week boot camp uh, just so that they actually kind of form that bond. But it kind of feels like that with all these soldiers. Uh, now, you mentioned the Lost World and that's kind of what happens here. It's almost backwards Lost World. In the Lost World, they're two separate parties who eventually come together when the disaster happens. And in this, they're one party who gets separated to two parties because of the disaster. Now we get Tom uh, Hiddleston's only purpose in this entire film as a tracker. What is he here for? So his party, they're on the wrong side of the island. I'm like, all right, we need to get to the uh, extraction zone, which is north. I say we follow this river north. <laughs> Essentially, his job as the tracker is to say, we go that way because there is nothing this way. Let's see. Ocean behind me, rest of island. <laughs> rest of island, that way, everybody. This is why we have a tracker in this movie. And, I mean, they actually have maps. They have, like, satellite images of this <laughs> island. So shouldn't they be like, we're here, we need to be yeah, there. Clearly you are the river, here. <laughs> clearly the river goes that way. So, boom, let's follow. Yeah, like, I actually didn't realise that was the one point. Yeah, it makes sense, though. But, like, well, that's it. That's all Tom Hiddleston does. He goes back and just, like, I'm Tom Hiddleston. I'm going back to read well, my next script of Loki. And if you're going to only throw one moment in in the movie to, to explain why a character needs to be there... At least make it work. There are a million things they could have done. They could have said, okay, we lost our satellite photos. We're in the middle of the jungle. Don't put them on one end of the, the island when the only place they can go is the other direction. Have yeah. them be stuck in the middle of it and say, listen, I can uh, I can hear the noises of the, some birds. Those, those birds would be avoiding a creature that size. And I can smell <laughs> the scent of ape blood over here. And these <laughs> flowers will only grow in ape urination. <laughs> Use him as a tracker. Don't say nothing this way. Go this way. <laughs> and he's giving them orders again. This is like, I'm Tom Hiddleston. I'm the leader of the party. Go this way. That's the way he leads them. It's stupid. I will never bag out anyone in loss for being like expert trackers ever again, because at least, it, you know, <laughs> so like Evangeline Lilly, you know, is just all of a sudden queen tracker, but like at least, you know, okay, it makes more sense. And the actual tracker, let's be honest, this is what they train you in Australia. They're like, yeah, mate, fucking river that way. Go north. I'm going back to sleep. Like, that's just mm -hmm. an Australian mentality. Um, I already forget what this line is. I, it's something about, hey, how you doing? Tell me everything I don't know or I blow your head off. Is that in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I think that's when uh, Samuel Jackson pulls a gun on John Goodman. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, let's talk a little bit about John Goodman here. Now, John Goodman, he didn't tell them what they were getting into. He also didn't know what they were getting into. This was all fear. He mentioned this is Tom Hiddleston's backstory is his backstory where he says, I was the only survivor or whatever of this, this attack on a boat. And I saw this creature and I believe that this is what it is. And this is why we're here. Um, but John Goodman, again, not doing anything wrong. He didn't know they were going to be attacked. Uh, I, I think that the idea about bombing, uh, I don't even know if they clearly state this movie. I think they say that they were trying to flush something out, but they, they pose it as we need these seismic, you know, disturbances. Now, the only area where John Goodman is a villain is uh, the, the character uh, of, I don't know, let's call him the seismic expert, um, who, of course, ends up dying in this movie. Now, if your plan was never to actually have somebody to study the seismic activity of this island, and you were just going to bomb it to flush something out, and the military was not going to ask questions, you didn't need to bring along this innocent guy who ends up dying. Only area in this movie where I could say John Goodman's a villain. That's it. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but the thing is, like, I don't get um, outside of that when he's there, and you know, Samuel Jackson's like, "Tell me what you want, motherfucker." Um, like, why? Why should John Goodman tell? Like, he literally says here that like everybody has laughed at me. Everybody has yeah. not believed me. So, like, if I had said to you. Sup, Samuel L. Jackson. We're going to go to an island mm-hmm. and see a giant fucking creature. You're going to laugh at me because you're Samuel yep. L. Jackson. You know, like that's what Samuel and you Jackson know what? does. <laughs> in, in all fairness, too, when Samuel Jackson gets a phone call at the beginning of the movie, and this is what I was saying about the what Samuel Jackson's character's motivations are. They said, "Hey, we know you're you're pulling out of Vietnam. We're all pulling out of Vietnam in the next 48 hours or whatever. We have one more mission. He goes, sign me up. Don't you want to know what it is? Wait, you have the their question. They're saying you have the option." for you and your soldiers to go home and you want to go on the mission? He's like, yeah, like it, it wouldn't have mattered. I don't know why he has to pull a ju- gun on John Goodman here. You yeah. know, he didn't, he didn't want to know. He didn't care. He's the one who, yeah, who wants to keep going. It's the other ones who want to go to Kiwi. I actually like, I've got that little debate when they're talking about, I want to go to an island. I, I oh, want yeah. to go to Kiwi. That's not an island. That's a key. It's like, why do you yeah, take well, that away from first, me, man? What was the first thing they mentioned too? It's like, that's not an island. Oh, uh, is it Vietnam? He's like, oh, you know, I want to go from one oh, island yeah. to Vietnam's on an island, soldier. Um, well, also, um, can we just point out too that they want to, you know, oh, strong female character, Brie Larson, blah, blah, blah. There are literally three women in this movie. You have yeah. Secretary at the beginning, Brie Larson, and random scientist lady who befriends Corey Hawkins. Who? Where did yeah, she who, come who, from? <laughs> and she's the other character that that uh, apparently had a much bigger role in the uh, the previous drafts of the screenplay. She literally uh, appears which, out of nowhere. I'm like, who is she? She's. I, I'm gonna have to read up because this movie does not explain what she. She's a biologist who works for Monarch. Oh, That's all it says. Is. Of course she is. I, I uh, looked at her. I'm like biologist. That's what she is. Yeah. <laughs> now they, they do this weird. This is the love story in the movie, I guess, between her and Corey Hawkins. Uh, I don't know why they try to make it like these two characters are brought together. Cause I guess they're already coworkers when this movie starts. Um, I don't know why she has to be there, but she doesn't do much when she is there. Uh, so uh, again, great movie. And th- this movie does a lot better job with the characters than, uh, um, you know, Godzilla did. But we've identified at least four characters in this movie. There are real problems with. There's the uh, the guy who gets trapped. Well, I haven't gotten there yet, but the, the soldier who gets trapped on his own, Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's major issues with him in this movie. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, and then this biologist. So uh, I don't know. I'm not screaming for a two and a half hour cut of this movie. I like that it's a two hour movie, but maybe a little bit more balance could have helped. Um, still not complaining though. It's It's a fun movie. But I guess also, like, I mean, yeah, you need... I mean, you have a lot of disposable characters in this film. But, um, yeah, I, it's, it is interesting that you kind of have these ones that, like, are meant to be prominent parts. And you mentioned the love story. Like, man, woman, oh, automatically we have to have some sort of love story. Like, we've gone yeah. over this in plenty of films. Like, you don't always have to have a love story. And even in... Why does it have to be between a man and a woman? Why can't Brie Larson and the biologist hook up? Like, like I mean... <laughs> What was, um, what was, oh, I always forget the name of the movie, that Charlize Theron movie that we did last year on Netflix. Um, the, oh, the old guard? Yeah. And like you had the, the two gay characters in that movie that it wasn't even made just, a big, they yeah. just were just yeah, You know what? Let, let's be honest here. John C. Riley was stuck on an island with this other Japanese man for who yep. knows how many years. They definitely had sex. <laughs> and, uh, and then, he, and then he had all those bloody tribes people, you know? So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, but uh, the, the monsters are horny. I mean, we saw that in Godzilla. <laughs> like, that's the reason why, again, those monsters weren't evil in Godzilla. They were just horny and trying to re- reproduce. Like, imagine if you and Jamie were trying to have another baby and then all of a sudden you've got, like, a, an army that. of an army of like ant people trying to kill you because you're, like, invading <laughs> their bed. Like, I mean, excuse yeah. me. Like, go away. And, you know, you, you mentioned the Mutos from Godzilla. Uh, there's, uh, I think John Goodman even has the line here where he he doesn't say Muto, but he says, we were looking for a massive unidentified terrestrial organism or whatever Muto stood for. Yeah. Um, Corey Hawkins also gives his hollow earth theory here, which again is setting up future movies. Uh, this is how we believe. Now, it, it does uh, have some relevance to this movie as well because the, the skull crawlers we're going to get later on, they say, oh, they were in hiding and now they've come up. You've drawn them out. So obviously they're living below the earth. Uh, something that's uh, very um, uh, very much a staple of King Kong movies is the Skull Island monsters where it's like not necessarily just massive versions of, you know, uh, things like apes, but like these hybrid things. And we get like this water buffalo thing that appears a couple of times in the movie here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like the first creature. But there are a lot of really cool creatures in this movie too. Um, so uh, Samuel Jackson, this is where he, he starts to allude to it. This time it's personal. You know, <laughs> this thing took out all of our men. We're going to kill it. Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, like it, it's a very interesting idea for a character because it, it, is he the villain of this movie? Not really. He's a Vietnam soldier who has seen terrible things in that line that should have been serving as Brie Larson's backstory. He did more for Samuel Jackson about, no, we didn't lose the war. We abandoned it. You know, he feels like he's been fighting this war that they abandoned. He didn't get a chance to win the war. He's lost. Yeah. Character that they give him in this movie, but I actually think it's funny that part of what makes his character great is they were trying to give a small bit of development to Brie Larson and it backfired and they gave a small bit of development to Samuel Jackson instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest, Samuel Jackson handled it better. Um, so, <laughs> again, I, I can't comment on Brie Larson. I've seen her in two movies and she's horrible in both. So, you know, that's that's about it. Uh, now, during the uh, the walk through the woods here, we get my favorite uh, creatures in this movie, the giant spider creatures, because you see like these giant trees you think they're these tiny thin trunks and it is but then one of the trunks moves and stabs somebody hmm. they realize it's massive spiders and it's a short sequence but it's great because uh this is something that uh again you always see in the, the kong movies it's like a hybrid type of creature not just giant but some type of hybrid creature um and uh well uh this sequence is sort of ending we party who finds the tribes people uh, another thing that's a staple of the king kong movies there is a small tribe who's on uh, skull island uh we gave even a backstory here that's very similar that you know they they were afraid of kong and then they realized kong was protecting them from the bigger more dangerous things uh but now we get introduced to john c Riley, the most fun character in this movie uh and every line he has in this movie i swear i probably i i told jamie like, i wrote a lot of notes but i i can skip half of my notes because it's just every quote that john c Riley has in this movie even just his introduction like this is a uh, very captain america like he's the guy out of uh, his own time period and the first line he has here it's something about wigs well, let me find it in my uh note here uh and stalling for time stalling for time Put everybody keep it. your wigs yeah everybody keep <laughs> your wigs on <laughs> It's, I don't know what it means, but it sounds like something an old man would say. So it means that everybody who's wearing a wig should keep it on. <laughs> that As he's looking it. at all these crew-cut army guys. I don't... Okay, I, I like it. I'm not going to take away. John C. Riley's fantastic. But I don't understand 
why he comes out and is like, hey, you're here. Like, I mean, was he expecting, like, do you look at his watch and go, oh, 1973, they're arriving. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand how he's well, so, like, casual and he's just like, oh, I thought you were going to show up. Here you are. Like, it just, okay. Yeah. Or maybe I maybe the bombs, he heard the bombs earlier. But yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I thought you were going to show up uh, unless there's a reason for it. Now, the only thing, these tribes people don't talk. There's another thing. He says they don't talk, they don't smile. Which... I, you know what I always find fascinating about these types of movies when they get, you know, obviously because they have to get extras and, you know, they, they hire this, like, and obviously there's a casting process. So they would put out like, Hey, we need, you know, maybe this ethnicity or all, all that sort of stuff. And this was filmed partially in Vietnam. So I don't know if these are a Viet- Vietnamese people or they sort of go for a certain look, but imagine again, if these are, this is their big break. Like I was yeah. tribes person seven, which one were you? Oh, I had 18 dots yeah. on my face instead of 17 yeah. dots on my face. <laughs> Like, and is there just bloopers of, like, random Jimmy in the background, like, cracking up laughing because, you know, hold a straight face, Jordan, hold a straight face. Yeah, Jordan Voigt Roberts is like, no smiling! <laughs> he's very strict on his... And we pointed out, <laughs> wasn't this his first and only movie that he's directed, or...? He had, no, he had directed one movie prior to this, which was a, a low-budget movie called The Kings of Summer. Ah. Um, and uh, th- other than that, the only... Uh, he'd done a little bit of TV work, and he did a Nick Offerman stand-up comedy special <laughs> so he's doing he went from nick offerman interesting uh yeah that's his next his next project is metal gear solid which he's uh still working on one of the screenwriters with this movie Automatically uh, yeah, it, i can tell you it's a, it's a video <laughs> game movie it's not gonna do well um it's got a cool logo i'm looking at the logo right here it looks all right yes that's good uh. <laughs> <laughs> Kong Skull Island, but yeah, Nick Offerman's stand-up comedy to Kong Skull Island. But I do like when they take these unknown directors, like even Gareth Edwards. He done what, what was it, that monster movie, uh, a very low-budget monster Godzilla. movie. Like let's well, prior to Godzilla, <laughs> um, you might have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, but even the guy who's doing, I, I will have to look him up when we get there. But the guy who's doing Kong Skull Island, like they got this young unknown director. Uh, to give their first big break to. And I think it's, again, I don't like 2014's Godzilla, but I think it works out that we're getting a different visual style of these movies and these these directors are trying to prove themselves. But why is Nick Offerman not in (laughs) Kong Skull Island? You could honestly have Nick Offerman playing the John C. Riley character. Like, I could could see it. You could, yeah. Uh, And he wouldn't have to grow a beard. Uh, So, you know, there's no makeup needed. Uh, There you go. Uh, but like John C. Riley here, he gives a bit of the backstory about uh, it's sort of done back and forth as the the lost soldier, the the Toby Kebbell character is hiding from Kong as Kong's taking a bath, and treating his cut, and drinking some water, uh, the and then you get eating the squid, which is great when he's slurping the squid. Now, this reminded me a lot of um, the 1976 King Kong movie where uh, King Kong is sort of like just in the cave doing his own thing. And then this giant weird snake creature comes up to him and he just gets in a fight with it, rips it apart, eats it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Kong having octopus spaghetti here, great little uh, <laughs> side bit, but John C. Riley giving all the backstory. This is where he talks about the, uh, I've been here for 28 years and uh, they were originally afraid of Kong, but now it's, uh, you know, something bigger that's out there. Uh, he starts talking to soldiers and even asks as they're coming into their, their little hut here, did we win the war? And they're like, which war? And he goes, 
makes sense. <laughs> that was the only reaction. <laughs> I always like, I always uh, love those, like you mentioned the Captain America thing, like taken out of the thing, but it's also different because it's not time travel. Like this guy's been stuck on a deserted yeah. island. It's got, it's, it's very lost like when it's like, oh, the Red Sox won the World Series. Like now I know you're joking. Uh, and then they really did. And I, I like all that stuff you'll have like with the, the Cubs. The Cubs. Yeah. And that bit with the Tigers, like, oh. Oh, that's so good. Who would fight between a Tiger and a Cub? A tiger. A cub is a baby bear. <laughs> yeah. You put a baby tiger against a baby cub. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it totally fits the idea of this guy who's been stuck on an island by himself too. Like he's so excited. You, you normally get like a castaway thing where they just go completely crazy. No, he's just lonely. He's like, I'll talk to anybody about anything. Who wants to talk to me about something? And even later on, um, I'll just get, let's get some of the John C. Riley stuff out of here now so I can skip it in my notes later, uh, where he's like, uh, sometimes I don't know if I'm talking out loud or talking in my head. I can see your lips moving right now. And then he just throws that thing out there. It's like, I've dreamed about killing you in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love John C. Reilly. And uh, even though we're not going to get a Kong Skull Island sequel that we know of, uh, the only idea that's been floated out there about a Kong Skull Island, another universe uh, movie of just Kong, would have been the backstory about the young John C. Reilly character and the young Japanese pilot, which I loved. I mean, I, before I even read that, I was thinking, I'm like, man, I kind of want to see what these characters did, you know, having to find all these planes and them encountering Kong for the first time, the, the, the tribe encountering them. Uh, there's a lot of good backstory there that I don't, they don't even get to explain in this. Uh, he mentions here about uh, the Kong being the last of the saviors, which is where my theory is about that all these creatures originally come from um, uh, Skull Island. Cause we already know that the idea of Godzilla being mutated by the bomb isn't a thing that it was a creature before that and just aggravated him. Um, they mentioned the, the skull crawlers here. I call them skull crawlers. Now this was all over the trailers. And I never get tired of this one. Why do we call them that? Because it sounds neat. And then there's just silence. Like, okay. I was like, I just made that up right now to scare you. <laughs> I've never said that out loud. But now that I do, it's a stupid name. We don't have to call it that. I- I'm cool with skull crawlers. Are you okay with that? It's like, no, no, I don't like the name. <laughs> he was like really defensive. It's funny and I like it and I don't dislike it. But this is one of those ones where I think they just take it too much. And it's like, this is so marvelly. And it's just like, okay, like... You know, like, what other thing that Marvel has done, and it wasn't even Marvel that invented the quip. I mean, we argue that James Bond invented the, the quip. It's yeah. just Marvel takes it to a level where it's funny, but, like, to me it belongs in the Marvel. Like, when other, play, like, universes and films do it, it's just they're trying too hard to be a Marvel movie. And it's like, okay, like, ha-ha, mm. good, but, but actually, like, does uh, it fit? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but I feel like the one thing that really works in this is that almost all the really goofy comedy is centered on John C. Riley's character, and there's at least a reason for him to be this goofy. Um, but no, I do, at the same time, I do understand what you're saying, and this is very much a Marvel thing, and that's why I hate, like, we're going to get on this so much when we do Justice League, but all the people out there is like, oh, DC can't do a decent movie. No, I'm sorry that they can't do a movie exactly like Marvel, which they shouldn't be doing anyways. Yeah. And the Marvel movies have become so overdone because everybody's trying to do it to the levels to become boring. I mean, I could count, uh, I, I'm not even going to fill a full whole hand with the, the amount of you know, really entertaining Marvel movies that I felt like I wanted to watch a second time over the last couple of years. Even the ones that I kind of like, like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I haven't gone on my way to watch it a second time. You know, it's, it's just this this whole style has become a little tiresome now. I was actually thinking about that last night that, 
you know, I enjoy the Marvel movies. I, you know, one comes out the cinema, we're going to go see it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's an event thing, but I've never really kind of just gone, yeah, I really want to start the MCU again. Like, it's just, it's, it's, I was thinking yeah. about how, like, obviously we're going to be doing the Spider-Man movies later this year. And I'm like, you know what? I've not actually re- went, rewatched them. Like, we're, like I would sit down and tomorrow yeah. rewatch the the Sam Raimi trilogy. I'd probably even watch the Andrew Garfield ones mm-hmm. before I started watching the... And it's just, it's a weird thing. Because I don't know if it comes down to the fact that I feel like I need to watch the MCU movies all together. And there's like 300 of them. And, oh, we're going to be here for a while. But I don't know. Like, I will gladly sit down and watch the DCEU movies out of sequence or anything like that too in, in a heartbeat. But... Yeah, I mean, again, same it, it feels there different. Might, yeah, there might be a couple like Ant Man, sure. You know, the original Iron Man. You know, I probably would watch Spider Man, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange. Yeah, like sure, but like I saw, you know, Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame, and like, cool, they were good movies, and then that was it. And like, no, no desire to see yeah. them again anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. good. We're in agreement then. Yeah, <laughs> we're working off. Yes, we're never going to be probably covering um, all the MCU movies on this. <laughs> podcast star wars took us long enough oh definitely not yeah i mean we did rankings of them but we covered like three of the movies yeah uh yeah uh, john c Riley mentions that uh the the big skull crawler is the one that killed king kong's family uh that the bombs that they dropped woke these skull crawlers up and this will tie into probably the hollow earth thing they came up through there um they uh uh introduced the plane boat here this is what him and his japanese lover were doing for <laughs> the last 28 years uh, well, this hybrid things, boat and plane. Yeah. Oh, this is what they were doing Having during sex, daylight Colin. hours, at least. Sex. <laughs> fighting. Fighting. Yes, fighting. Uh, let me rub your sword. <laughs> <laughs> Colin's like, oh, we're talking about sex. I'm uncomfortable. Uh, moving on. Google it, Colin. Uh, Google. Type he- in right now. Two men having sex. Go on. Look at it. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, as they start to put this plane boat together to see if they can get it running, because all these soldiers are also mechanics too, who know how to work on technology that's 30 years old, apparently. Uh, we get the montage of Brie Larson proving her purpose in this movie. Taking pictures of tribes people. <laughs> <laughs> so she's here to take pictures of monsters, apparently, which by the way is also problematic because this is a top secret organization and John Goodman himself carries a camera for most of this movie and apparently dies taking pictures. Yep. Brie Larson is here to take pictures of tribes people. Nobody's ever seen those before. <laughs> they give her a montage in this movie of taking pictures and smiling. As you said, we get the first Brie Larson smile that Ben's ever and seen. She's, and she's literally uh, doing like the whole, like the, the peace symbol with them as well. She's like, Oh, come on, everyone put your fingers up. Get, you know, like, yeah, this is what we do in the West. Like, are they just like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? But like, she's supposed to be this war photographer. She came here because there's some type of secret. And, and I want to know what this secret is. And I want to get pictures of the secret. The only montage we get of her taking pictures is not of the giant monsters. It's of these tribes people that you've probably seen everywhere else you've ever taken pictures. Uh, but she has a purpose in one sequence of the movie. So there you go. They needed to put a female in this movie, you know, and she's 33% of them. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It's going to get better because her purpose extends to she's the one who feels for the creatures on the island. She's the one who has empathy for them because this water buffalo is stuck underneath a helicopter. (laughs) So what is Brie Larson? Not Captain Marvel. What is Brie Larson? Mortal woman with a camera do? She tries to lift a helicopter with her bare hands. (laughs) 
I mean, like, why not? <laughs> Tom Hiddleston pointing, go that way, does not seem as silly as when you see Brie Larson trying to move a helicopter with her bare hands. Uh, and then Kong comes in and moves the helicopter with his bare hands. Um, it's just, I'm sorry. Like, they did the worst job with these two characters here. Uh, I'm glad that in, at least in King of Monsters, like, people people criticize, you know, the, the, the actors, or not the actors, but, like, the characters and the characters' purpose for being in that movie. Like, I feel like King of Monsters, the one thing I'm really going to praise about that movie is this monster is finally getting lead human characters right, where you actually somewhat care about them and they, they, they belong in the movie and they have something to do. I mean, particularly when we get to uh, Vera Farmiga's character next week. I mean, she really has something to do. But yeah, this is, I'm almost feeling like Aaron Taylor Johnson had more of a purpose than Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> wow, jeez. Um... I mean, he's not better. He's not better, but he, he she, she tries to move a helicopter. She takes pictures. You're actually not wrong, though. Like, legitimately, at least, like, you know, it's poorly done. But, I mean, his father died. His mother died fighting. I mean, there's a thing that we didn't even cover last week. Both his parents were basically killed because of Godzilla and, like, you know, giant things. Why isn't he, like, grr for my parents? Like, Samuel L. Jackson in this movie loses, like, 20 men and he's like, grr, motherfucker. Whereas, like, you know, fucking Aaron Taylor Thumbface, like, both his parents were killed. (laughs) He should be all like, girl, Godzilla, you know, screw you. Stop, Godzilla. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, other things, this is where the movie starts moving very fast to just back and forth between the two different uh, parties. Samuel Jackson finds a bloody Kong print on the side of a mountain. Now, I'm sorry. Um, the proportions of this handprint do not match up with King Kong at all unless King Kong about tripled in size when he, he loses blood. Uh Brie Larson fits in the palm of King Kong's hand and this palm print covers an entire mountain. Uh, That's way too big. Which I know... So there's a line they say in this movie where they say, you know, like he's the last of his kind, his parents died, he's still growing. And I was watching like a theory video about Godzilla v Kong about how, you know, they, they threw that line in there because Kong has to keep growing because apparently Kong at this size in this movie is like tiny compared to Godzilla. So they mm-hmm. have to kind of... And so this is where like a lot of people have like got a theory that like, oh, Godzilla's actually just the son of Godzilla in, in Godzilla vs. Kong and the, and the real Godzilla is going to show up. Like all these weird theories because they were just basically pointing out how King Kong isn't as big as Godzilla. So therefore to make them fight, you know, this is the line. I have to say based, it's... Yeah, he's growing a teenager. Still. Yeah, yeah, so... But uh, yeah, the handprint thing, I didn't actually even, you know think about that one. I'm just thinking I mean, like a Titanic, the, the, the hand, like, you know, down the, the <laughs> fog. Or or Wilson in Castaway, right? Like, you know, Wilson! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this Kong actually just painted it with a brush. This isn't yeah. a handprint. Like, it's symbolic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what King Kong sounds like. <laughs> uh, we get uh, a couple of cool songs here. We get the CCR Bad Moon Rising from the guy who can fit a record player and his entire record collection in his <laughs> army issue backpack. <laughs> uh, we get uh, one of my favorites, David Bowie here with Ziggy Stardust. Um, and uh, they're finishing putting the boat together here. We get, this is where the, the line about the Cubs winning the World Series and uh, the Tigers versus the Cubs. And uh, also it's like, sometimes I can't tell what I'm talking, what I'm talking in my head. Uh, I was saying the Russia well, thing, isn't it too? Like, so we were allies with Russia, and now we're oh, at yeah. war with them. It's like, it, oh, it's, it's, but it's a cold war. war. But well, it they take the summers hot... off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And now we get the the lost soldier, Toby Kebbell's character, who dies off screen, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, this entire motivation of Samuel Jackson's character is we need to find our lost man. He serves no purpose in this movie other than to observe Kong when none of the other characters on screen can be around King Kong. Uh, and then we get this cool stick creature that you think is a log, but it's actually a stick shaped creature, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> which yep. looks really creepy. Um, I think they definitely did a better job with the, the creatures of this movie than they did in uh, uh, the, the Mudos and um, Godzilla. But I, did I miss this all six times I've seen this movie or do we see him die in this movie? Because the next time we're going to see his character, it is a skull being puked out of a skull crawler's mouth and dog tags attached to it. You see him, he like, he does the whole like slow turn behind him, realizes something's behind him. Then you see the skull crawler like leap forward and then you see blood splatter on his, um, yeah, yeah it's kind of like, uh, what's his face getting killed in the lost world, the compies, right? You just see the blood mm. in the stream. So yeah, it's kind of, it's an off camera kill, but yeah, you, you, I mean, you see blood, you, you know, he but did. like, you don't care about this character and they, no. they try to make you so sympathetic towards him and then they kill him off camera. And the next time you see him, his head's being puked up, which <laughs> it's also, but it's also is like Samuel Jackson's motivation. He's like, Oh, I've got to go find my friend. And it's like, yeah. again, how do you, why are you only looking for this guy? Why not all the other 58,000 people? Who yeah, exactly. You're missing crash? half of the party still. Yeah. Like you've got the thing on the back of your helmet, which is what, like counting how many people you've lost in battle. So what makes this guy any special? And then even when you find out he's dead, you're still just like, I don't give a fuck, motherfucker. I'm going to fucking kill this fucking monkey. Like that's kind of what he does. So yeah, it's, but- it's a weird thing to have him there. I never thought about this. We're going to cap it here with the the goodbye to the tribes people, which of course Brie Larson takes even more pictures of tribes people the next day. Uh, it's not even a, you know, a, a, it's a picture that's supposed to be like John C. Riley waving goodbye, but she doesn't even frame it right. And then like her character has like John C. Riley's shoulder. <laughs> okay. What's this picture of? Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's weird that I never actually thought about the, um, uh, the the Samuel Jackson, like obviously the Samuel Jackson thing about not caring about uh, this guy afterwards, we get that. But I hadn't considered that he doesn't know that the the rest of the soldiers with Tom Hiddleston are alive. Yeah. Why is, how does he know that this is the one lost guy? They haven't made radio contact yet. Yeah. And because they do eventually, don't they? But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of odd. Like it's sort of like, oh, maybe they're alive, maybe they're not. But I mean, you can have hope, and then you can just be a dickhead. Um, yeah. And but you're also value. Like, do we even see Samuel Jackson? Like, actually, that's a lie. Because isn't the guy he's looking for the one who walks into him in the office and he's basically like, "Are you okay, sir?" Like, I think that's maybe the only scene we see of them before mm-hmm. they go to Skull Island. But again. It's you've got the groundwork there. You're just not establishing these characters. Like have the, like, and I'm not even joking when I say this. Had these two like in a secret relationship together, like it was the 70s in, <laughs> yeah. in the army. You, you weren't allowed, you know, what is it? Don't ask, don't tell. Like that's probably yeah. what it was. But have that as a thing. Like that's why he's trying to find him. You know, I don't know. Like just throw something in there because it, it it does seem very random the way he's just all like, we're going to go find this guy. And it's like, dude, like why this guy? Why not the other guy? Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, why not Tom Hiddleston? <laughs> like. <laughs> He's pretty sexy. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> is that because you know he's Loki and and you're Nick Fury and you can't work together? <laughs> like, is is that what you're trying to? Are you being racist against Thor gods, Norse gods because they're very white? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but y- yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
Anything else you want to cover on that section of the movie? Not really. Like, Brie Larson, like, they say at one point, I think, before she goes on the island, they're like, oh, why do you want to go on the island? You're about to get the cover of time. Like... She's taking pictures of these tribes people. Now it's like it's a it's an a long going an ongoing sort of thing that at least with Aboriginal culture in Australia that you don't take a picture of an Aboriginal person because they feel it steals your soul. Like that's kind of like a thing. And there are certain cultures in the world like like don't take photos of them. Like, you know, these are these are tribes people on an island in the Pacific. They've only ever met John C. Riley and the other guy, right? I don't think they had cameras on them. So like she just goes after them, click, 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 like they don't know what a camera is. Like, yeah. if, if a trans person comes up to you with, like, a, I don't know, something you don't know what it is, you're automatically going to, like, fuck, am I in danger? Is this going to kill me? You know? Yeah, they should be spearing her through the eye at that moment. Exactly. And, like, it's, it's, are you, like, typical bloody American just rocks up and she owns the place. <laughs> like, like this is offensive to their culture. Like, don't just, like, go up to them and take photos. Like, I want her to get a spear in the head. You're absolutely right. Um, and like, there's that, there's that famous island. I think it's in the Pacific, but, um, Google Skull. Skull. No, this is like, (laughs) I'm not even making this up. There's, there's an island somewhere where basically you've got like tribes, people who live there who have been completely untouched by society. And every time boats go there, like they get speared at, like people get killed because like these people are so protective of their island. And Mm. it was in the last like 12 or 24 months there was a, an expedition went that way and somebody died. Like they, they, somebody was filming from a boat. These tribes people like brutally murdering this, but it's a real thing. So like, why aren't these people like that? Like again, like, yeah. and you got to think about it as well. Like I, I watched a documentary on this Island. It was fascinating because like, this is one of the last places of society that exists like this. And if somebody like us was to go to that Island, we're going to bring disease and things like that. Cause they're so isolated in the world. They're not exposed to the things that we're exposed to. So again, John C. Riley has become immune to this, I guess like lucky John C. Riley, but <laughs> these bloody American soldiers, who knows what they're bringing to them. It's not even <laughs> coronavirus yet. Like it's something else. So yeah, like screw the West. I'm, I'm team tribes. <laughs> Come on, tribes people. But And also, is all this stuff with Kong, we're meant to all of a sudden be, yay, Kong's good. Kind of like Godzilla, right? Like, yay, Godzilla's good. Because yeah. we've got to set up this universe where having the two good guys fight, okay, Batman v Superman, these two are totally not going to team up and fight another bigger <laughs> monster, are they? No, not at all. Um, so... Yeah. Hashtag, by the way, I'm Team Godzilla. Just want to point that out. I don't think we've put oh. that on the record. Hashtag Team I'm Godzilla. Team, and I'm Team Kong. Oh, boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Leaf uh, supporter. <laughs> Typical racist Australian. Yeah. Not like in the tribe people. Just well, I like the, the tribe. I just no. don't like the giant monkey. Okay. Well, well, giant, mon- giant monkey's you- fine, but Godzilla's better because he roars. Fine, then. Fine. You know what? Next week... You can find somebody else to talk about Godzilla King of Monsters with you. I'm going to talk about King Kong Escapes from 1968, where Kong fought Mecha Kong with some <laughs> other King Kong supporter. I I will. I'm going to get Aaron Taylor's thumb face on, and whatever his name is. I'm good friends with him. Look, here he is right now on screen. There he is. Look at him. I'm Aaron Taylor. I'll draw a face on him, and that will be that will be him. You know what? Uh, if I could ever uh, convince you to do the King Kong movies with me, uh, we could talk. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like looking at Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's could incredible. Al- it, it could also be Ryan Gosling. I'm not too sure. Yeah, we need some hair though. A little oh. bit of hair. There we now go. We're there. Meet <laughs> Ryan Gosling. <laughs> 
Hello, I'm Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Thanks can for joining us, that, Ryan. Can you put that on Instagram? I was like, met Ryan Gosling today. <laughs> Got a selfie with her, Ryan Gosling. All right, um, keep talking. Anyways, 1980- 1986's King Kong. Uh, what was it called? King Kong Lives, I think. He's actually doing it right now. <laughs> no, I'm too picky with my selfies. I'll have to do it later when I look good. Uh, but uh, Linda Hamilton starred in the King Kong movie that got delayed for several years and came out and nobody saw it. 1986's King Kong Lives, uh, which I still would watch over Godzilla 2014 again, by the way. Aww, Anyways. Just because of Linda Hamilton. What a woman. Yeah, what a woman. Uh, all right. So we get uh, another cool song. We get Run Through the Jungle playing here as they're boating through the jungle. <laughs> Boat through, through the, the jungle. jungle. <laughs> Uh, we get a fun moment here. This is the, the very little bit of love story between Corey Hawkins and this biologist uh, where he's trying to help with, oh, let me take care of that. And he cuts his, ow! <laughs> the way he sells that is so good. Just so not the Tom Hiddleston. I'm tough man, you know? Uh, you hear tough man and tough woman, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, don't In end up together. Shirts. Have we established that they're wearing very tight shirts, the pair of them? They are oh, both of them, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Corey yeah. Hawkins, another woman, not no, uh, but of they're course, the geeks one, they're the nice, they're the people, geeky ones, sexy, like ooh, yeah, tight shirt. Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson. Mm. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, you know, I think that's probably why Jamie Conn mentioned him. That's a really handsome man in a very scrawny man's body. Uh, <laughs> but with Brie Larson, Jamie always says to me, "It's like Brie Larson is so average. Like she's like, I don't get, you know, what what you like about Brie Larson. She's so average." To me, I'm like, I'm "Shut there. up, Jamie. That that's my future wife. That's gonna replace you. You're talking about." Sorry, Colin. But- <laughs> I agree. She's a bit plain. She's yeah. But anyways, in this movie, Jamie's like. She does have a nice rack, though. <laughs> okay, you said it, not me. <laughs> I, I, like, I'll admit that. And I actually, I, I, stop me if I told this story on air. I've, I've said it in other places. But, like, I'm glad you've got, like, that relationship with Jamie. You get uncomfortable, though, when she says things like that. But, like, <laughs> uh, we, Mallory and I went and got pizza not too long ago. And we, you know, went in, paid for the pizza, came out. And then as soon as I left the building, I'm like... That, that that girl behind the counter, she had nice boobs. And then Mallory's, <laughs> and Mallory, without even blinking an eye, Mallory's like, oh, you didn't tell me I want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the relationship we have. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, very similar. Uh, except that Jamie and I have different tastes in women, apparently. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Amen. so... And men. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she prefers Daniel Craig to Pierce Brosnan. What's oh, wrong with her? Drunk. Uh, but we both prefer Roger Moore to Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Definitely drunk. Anyways, um, so we get uh, John C. Riley quickly mentioning about his wife and his son. It's like, oh, do I? Is she my wife? Will she be my wife? But I think I have a son out there. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a fun idea that you know he has not and then i love the one guy who's like dude she definitely thinks you're dead <laughs> and yeah. come on don't say that man <laughs> well it's true <laughs> i mean yeah guaranteed there is no way J- jamie you know has always said like oh even the thought of another she's like i i will ogle another man but even the thought of another man touching me makes me sick oh uh, bullshit I guess- <laughs> Fuck off. i'm sorry jamie I like tell it to Colin because Colin will believe it. I don't believe it in a second. Oh, well, I'm telling you right now. You're so sexy. Walks in the room, touches her. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now though. If that were the truth, 
she does not wait 28 months after she thinks I'm dead to move on. Okay. Not 28 years. There is going to be a big problem with that later on. Uh, But uh, now we get the other moment that Jamie actually picked up on. This is where she started watching when they finally make radio contact again. And Samuel Jackson is like, you know, Fox two, this is Fox five or whatever. And Jamie starts going Fox force five. And I'm like, (laughs) what? And then she's like, there's five of us. And we're Foxy, so we're the Fox Force Five. I'm like, oh, Pulp Fiction, I get it. <laughs> Don't think that was their intention, but Jamie really got a kick out of Fox Force Five, a Pulp Fiction reference to this. Uh, so uh, as they're on the boat, we get the bird taking the poor innocent man. I think this is the guy who John Goodman uh, did not need on this mission um, because they had no seismic uh, stuff they were studying, and the bird just takes him away. And they're immediately like, Forget him, man. He's gone. <laughs> we have spent half of this movie. We need to save this one guy. But this guy's like, he's gone. He's yeah. really dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, when they finally meet up again, this is where Samuel Jackson says, no, we're going to get our missing soldier. And it basically comes down to a standoff. And I love John C. Riley here. Tell him, I was like, you can't do this. You can't do this. We got to go. Uh, and uh, <laughs> John C. Riley again, this bit of comedy really does suit it because it, it's kind of a dark scene. And then it sort of ends with him going like, yeah, you guys are a great group of boys. I'm going to die with a great group of boys here. We shouldn't have come here. We're all going to die. <laughs> and he's laughing the whole time. Uh, and uh, they get into this this kind of weird sequence I don't quite understand through this this weird gassy carcass feel. I think mm. this is supposed to be this is where all the creatures died, so the gas of their rotting flesh is flammable. We we learn here, and it's it, it looks weird. It's all purple, hazy, and all that. Uh, but we get the the skull crawlers attacking in this sequence here. I mean, it's a cool sequence. Uh, it's got kind of that you know haze that makes it look a little bit eerie. Uh, but uh, this is the part where the skull crawler barfs up <laughs> the missing soldier's skull. With dog tags still attached. Now, I'm sorry. I don't know many people who wrap their dog tags around their skull. Okay? Oh, I do it all the time, can't you see? (laughs) Well, the flesh has been digested at this point. And the dog tags would have been around the neck where the neck bones are not being puked up. So how are these dog tags attached to the skull? I don't know. Well, he's he's bitten off the head. He's gotten a dog tag caught in its tooth. (laughs) <laughs> he swallowed the head and because he's acid in his stomach, he's so strong it can melt flesh but not metal. And then he just spits it out because he's a skull crawler and also known as a skull spitter. So, so the skull spitters. It's also a stupid name that we've never said out loud before. Ben, you should take that back. Which also, this is yeah, this is part of the set that I saw. And there's a triceratops uh, bloody oh, yeah. skull, which I and don't this get. This is where we get... This is where we get the, the the grizzled soldier mounting his machine gun to the Triceratops skull, which looks pretty epic. As ridiculous as it is, it's epic. He's like, I'm going to mount a gun on a Triceratops skull. Uh, but I, I like the, the action sequence. What I don't like in this is Tom Hiddleston, Mr. I'm the big hero of the movie because I'm the lead character who serves no purpose. John C. Riley, who knows how to use a sword, who has spent decades wielding this sword around the island, what does he do? Tom Hiddleston's like, give it to me in slow motion. So John C. Riley tosses the sword to a man. He does not know, even knows how to use a sword. And Tom Hiddleston basically flies through the air, chopping these things into pieces in some action hero shot 
which I don't think anything made me want to vomit more in this movie than a character I didn't care about taking the weapon of a person I did care about and having some superhero moment chopping skulls in half. It was just, it it does not work, especially in slow motion. Uh, But he's got to have a purpose in this movie. I I know you're not a fan of Chris Pratt in the Jurassic World franchise, but I think you got to admit Chris Pratt is a lot better in those movies than Tom Hiddleston is in this movie. Oh yeah, it's the same problem that we're, we're saying there is, I'm the big hero, man, you know, like it's, it it gets nauseating, but yeah, definitely do a better job in that because at least his character is meant to do this stuff. Tom Hiddleston is a tracker. I'm sure he's British SAS or whatever. Do they use swords as when they track things in the British SAS? My time in the British SAS was a long time ago, (laughs) Colin, and I, I can't remember. So I'll have to track down the memory banks for that one. And also this whole sequence, like, why this is this is like Doctor No or anything like that? You got canisters that literally say toxic gas with a skull yeah. on it. Like, I mean, that's how they they label things in the military. They don't put like CO seven three twelve like the chemical symbol. It's just literally toxic gas. Oh, so is this is this gas supposed to be for one of the downed helicopters? I I don't because they go, don't they go back to the helicopter? Isn't that one of Samuel Jackson's things? He goes back to that helicopter to to get a bunch of weapons. Um, yeah, well, so. I don't know where the gas comes from this. But, of course, because Tom Hiddleston has to have his hero moment, who gets to save the day? Brie Larson gets to blow things up. Yep. Because um, none of the soldiers thought to do that. I'm surprised they weren't playing No Doubt I'm Just a Girl at this point. That's, that's all <laughs> well, I ever pitch of Brie Larson in is just that song playing. <laughs> you know, I feel like uh, Disney and Marvel kind of got in the ears of Jordan Robinson said, we really need you. We got Thor Ragnarok's going to be coming out later this year. Captain Marvel's coming out in a year, year and a half. We really need people to believe Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson as superheroes. So give them the superhero moment. Because even Brie Larson here, if, if you have it queued up, watch the scene where she's running through all these carcasses and flying and diving. She is moving at the speed of sound, okay? Yeah. She's running faster than these skull crawlers. Like she is Britney Spears, Usain Bolt pace right here. I'm and actually, it's just, again, it's not believable. And I'm watching it right now. And the one thing that I also want to point out, and movies always do this, uh, when you light a lighter and throw it, it goes out. Um, it doesn't <laughs> stay lit. Okay? Stop making this thing happen. Um, which, yeah. And also, like, she survives a lot of things in this movies, but her camera survives even more. Um, oh, yeah. Like, that's a 1970s flimsy thingo, and somehow it survives a whole ordeal. How, does she, how many rolls of film does she have? And how did that survive too? The film's yeah, flimsy. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, like Tom Hiddleston, gas mask, sword, pterodactyls. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, like you know, in in Jurassic World, like no matter what you think of any of the Jurassic World, you've got those moments like fucking raptor jumping on a T Rex to jump on the Indominus Rex. It's fucking yeah. cool. Like last week in Godzilla, Godzilla ripping the head off the thing, shooting an atomic laser beam down it. Like cool. Yeah. Like, did the writers of this movie go, fucking Tom Hiddleston, sword, gas mask, pterodactyls. Yeah. <laughs> cool. No. Like, and, and there's one shot. They do this, like, weird POV shot where you're kind of on the head of the pterodactyl and it gets, like, split right down the middle and you see Tom Hiddleston oh, with yeah. gas mask. It's weird. Like, I was going on about how I really like the, the work in this movie, like the shots and everything. That's just odd. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, so Samuel Jackson keeps saying we got to go to the crash site and – uh, this is where they say, your, your friend is dead. Here's his puked up skull and dog tags. <laughs> now, I, I'm not going to completely fault the, you know, the, the actor, uh, even though I don't really like him in live action stuff. Uh, but this dead soldier here, 
there is nothing that's going to make us care even less about this guy than when you tell the entire audience, this is to save one man, he dies, his skull gets puked up. And then when you tell the person who's supposedly the one who is in love with him or whatever and wants to save him, he says, doesn't change a thing. Let's kill Kong. Like there is no reaction. There is more reaction in this to a giant monkey than there is to our good friend is dead. Uh, so just don't do like we said. Don't do the thing about the lost soldier. We don't need him in this movie. Which which they and they also bang at home, don't they? When they because he's the D Billy guy, isn't he? Isn't he got the things that he's like pinned yeah. to the tree? Like and they constantly the do D Billy. So it's like they see it on the tree and they're like, oh no, our beloved guy is dead and he was writing to his son dear billy like your dad was a hero like fuck we don't know that he was a hero he was hiding under a bush when fucking kong's eating <laughs> spaghetti octopus yeah. you know he's the only soldier in this movie that we might doubt if they are a hero or not because he's the coward soldier you know we keep mentioning about these famous samuel L. jackson you know hold on to your butts surprise motherfucker all these sort of lines like where's his line of this party's over like when he goes yeah, this to, over. to kick off with a lightsaber in a kong's throat this party's yeah. over <laughs> it's over Anakin I have the high ground uh, he's too dangerous to be kept alive we could have used that line in this movie I, I, I want there just to be a recut of Samuel Jackson I hate him all of him, I hate him. and his children and the women too <laughs> but he does get the good line here too though what I keep selling about this this soldier who's seen a war fail where he says we're not losing this war too and like this isn't a war <laughs> you know this is a monkey <laughs> it's uh, and it's a monkey that, that you can't kill because they keep telling him like you can't kill kong and he just won't give up on it uh they end up having a, a, a breakup here i guess all right how about if i take the civilians this hmm. way and you take your soldiers to go kill kong that sounds reasonable <laughs> he just lets them leave um but uh the, the big climax that ends up happening here, we get the another thing in the fog. This is where John Goodman dies. Uh, is his camera that he's had the whole time. He had to hire a photographer for what reason. Uh, just sort of flashes. And I, I again, maybe I missed it. Maybe I've forgotten it. But I remember seeing the camera going off with him holding it. And then I remember all these shots in the fog of the camera going off. And I don't remember ever seeing John Goodman again. He, Do we see well, him die on screen? No, yeah. He, you see him like in the mouth of the skull crawl. And then I think... The, the flashes are him in the belly of this creature. I don't know if the camera's oh, just, okay. I don't know if it's going off or he's still alive taking photos as he goes down in, in the stomach. But, so I uh, was probably taking my notes at my um, disgust of John Goodman being killed off in this movie. <laughs> which <laughs> missed him being I, eaten. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right about pointing out, like, why does he have a camera? Brie Larson has a camera, like... Yeah, I don't, I, I don't get like, is this meant to be like a shock value? Like he's still alive in the stomach and taking photos? Like, I, I, I don't know, but like... I just keep the camera out and somebody picks a camera up because that's his whole, like, like, again, you're painting him such an asshole villain. Like he should almost have a hero moment where he dies, but you're going to continue his work. Cause all he wanted to do was prove that this thing was real. So let's pick the camera up and like, take it on, like have Brie Larson's camera disappear, which I'm going to get my yeah. big gripe about her character very shortly. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know. Have that, have a moment like that where it's just like, we'll continue your work, John Goodman, you're Fred Flintstone. So <laughs> Good for you. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you also uh, have to love the sequence where Brie Larson again breaks out the camera to take a bunch of pictures, pitch black at night with no flash. <laughs> yep. I'm sure those are going to work out really well. Time in the magazine. 70s. Right? <laughs> yeah, in the 70s. A, like I can barely take one of them on my iPhone 11 that has like night yeah. features on it. This is a film camera from 1973. 
when they're going to the recovery zone or whatever, uh, this is where you have to have the heroic moment of Tom Hiddleston. You go on without us. We're the heroes. Uh, we're going to save Kong. And then John C. Rowell is like, then I'm saving Kong with you. I'm going to. <laughs> this is the Return of the Jedi moment. Uh, but Corey Hawkins gets to take the the cowardly people to uh, the, the extraction zone and said, leave at dawn. If we're not there by dawn, then leave without us. Um, the, uh, the, the, the final fight scene kind of happens here with the skull crawlers and Kong, we get the, uh, the, the older soldier guy who wants to sacrifice himself. Now this, I actually really did like the, the surprise in the movie of him being like, you guys go on now, now the, 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 the Shea Wiggum character where he's got the grenades like, come here, come on. Uh, 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 I'm going to cram these things down your throat or whatever he's going to do. And all of a sudden the skull crawler just sort of looks at him and whacks him with his tail into the side of a mountain. Like this heroic moment for this big, the guy who mounts a machine gun to a Triceratops skull, and he he gets whacked into the side of a mountain. I actually really like the surprise of that. There's no reason for him to do it, though. Like, I, like again, you, I feel you need to have some sort of line or backstory about, like, he's got nothing to live for or, like, whatever, like... I don't know, like have a story about like, oh, my entire unit died and my wife left me and like I've got nothing for me at home and I can't go back. Like, or maybe have him like, I tried to go back home, but I couldn't, so I had to come back here. I don't know. Like, but it just makes no sense that out of nowhere, he's just like, nah, I'm going to die. And, you know, like, I, I, again, I'm with you. I kind of like the, you know, the shock of like him, like, oh, it's for nothing because he just gets blown up anyway. Mm-hmm. But, it just makes no sense to me that all of a sudden, like, well, make this a Samuel L. Jackson character. Like, make Samuel L. Jackson have an epiphany. Oh, and yeah. go, Like, no. oh, what am I doing? Like, this is just a creature. Like, no, I'm with you, Kong. I'm going to go out and I'm going to save you from, like, that would make sense. But this just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I kind of just saw this scene as because this guy was presented as the older, experienced soldier and he's got all these young guys that he didn't want the young guys to have to die for this. He's like, well, I'll sacrifice myself so because they still have lives ahead of them. But I completely agree with you. I wouldn't have even thought of that. That Samuel Jackson pulling this sacrifice would have been amazing. What was the movie that we did recently where there's somebody who basically sacrifices themselves and they didn't need to, they could have easily escaped. Um, I feel we did it recently. Um, and it's like really like it's one of the big plot holes. It's like literally they're sacrificing themselves, but they could have escaped at the same time. Um, See, I, I recently made the mistake of rewatching all the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, and Fast and Furious 5, nobody ever talks about the massive plot hole of that movie, which is that Paul Walker has to, or Vin Diesel, one of them has to sacrifice themselves so everybody else can get away. And in the end, nobody talks about the fact that there was nothing to sacrifice. They could have gotten away anyways. So that's what's on my mind, but we've never talked about that. Yeah, I, I can't remember. It's it's, it's going to, I'm going to think about it randomly. I'm going to message you at like three in the morning. It was that movie, but <laughs> no, there's, there's like a, there's a movie where it's basically like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself and I'm going to stay behind. And it's like, you could come with us. And it's like, no, 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 I'm yeah. going to stay behind. And it's like, okay, bye. Uh, so yeah, it will come to but me like- actually. It's a it's it's a movie cliche. You, you got to go back to Galaxy Quest, one of the best movies I think we've ever covered, uh, where Tim Allen's like, "You guys go on without me," and I was like, "Oh, of course, you always have to be the hero because there is no purpose for him to do that." Yeah. Uh, but still, I I, I just I, I love the him getting whacked with a tail. Uh, the fight scene with Kong and the skull crawlers here is great. There's a, a lot of little nods to the original King Kong, just in the way that Kong fights. He's he's not just like I'm gonna punch you, I'm gonna kick you. He's like I'm going to power slam you. He's basically wrestling it. And the original King Kong movie did that uh, so much. They actually based it off of like wrestling where it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, 
grab your arm and I'm going to suplex you. Uh, but the, the moment where Kong gets caught up in the chains is really good uh, because you get like that big heroic Kong moment. I feel like Godzilla, there were a couple of good moments in there, but we didn't get that one moment of like, all right, Godzilla means business now. And here we get it where, where Kong's like tied down with the chains and he just pulls the chains out like with his arms. It's, it's, epic moment uh Corey hawkins uh, once dawn comes he uh, we have to go they said to leave at dawn no we're not leaving them and he fires the machine gun on a skull crawler uh brie larson goes up on a cliff to take pictures and she gets bumped off Aww. she falls in the water <laughs> more purpose in the movie i guess uh the um uh Moer Kong saves her. Oh, what would we have done if Brie Larson died in this movie? Like, honestly, I'm not joking. Imagine this entire movie without Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson's characters in it. Nothing changes. Yeah. The entire movie, they don't change anything here because anything that Tom Hiddleston says, we're going to do this, somebody else goes with them. Yeah. It's not like, you know, he saves the day. It's not like she saves the day. John C. Riley saves the day. You know, Samuel Jackson saves the day. Um, but uh, the, the the final end of this fight, though, is fantastic where, uh, oh, of course, there's the moment where Brie Larson fires a flare into the side of a skull crawler's face, which, by the way, does nothing in this movie. <laughs> but you do get a cool shot of a flare stuck in the side of its face. It's just like, ah! <laughs> uh, but it, we want that moment, like you mentioned, with Godzilla just breathing fire into the mouth of uh, you know the, the Mudo. And I think they top it in this one. The end of this fight sequence is Godzilla grabbing the tongue of a skull crawler and pulling out his insides, everything attached to his tongue. Like, I don't think you can get better than that. I'm going to put that as like the ultimate Kong kill. It's uh, a great and- kill, but I prefer atomic breath ripping a head off, splitting him. That to me is cooler. Yeah, well, I mean, this is definitely more gruesome and it catches you more off guard. Uh, but uh, the final moment to everybody on the boat, of course, the camera was saved. <laughs> How was it saved? I don't know. Uh, it either was knocked off of a cliff or it fell in the water, but it's still there. And uh, why was it there in the first place? There's another good question. But um, the, all the final survivors are on the boat. We have the moment of John C. Riley singing. And uh, then we get home video footage of John C. Riley going home, uh, which is it's a nice end to the movie. But yeah, there's no way this lady waited. Now, the guy who opens the door, this is the same guy who plays young John C. Riley, like the same actor who I guess is playing his own son here. Uh, And I love this guy's shocked reaction. Like, how would you know this is your dad? He doesn't say anything. He just sort of looks at him. He's like, what, what dad, you're alive. You weren't born when he went missing. You were still an embryo. Uh, And I doubt the pictures back then would help you recognize the man 30 years later. Uh, But the woman's reaction is even better. Cause I just imagine there's a guy in the bedroom right now. She's like, this really isn't a good time or even better than that. What if he shows up at the door? It's like, hey, son, nice to see you. And this is her boyfriend. She's a cougar. I was expe- <laughs> well, I was expecting the whole time, like this whole like, we'll meet again. Yeah, like, oh, so sweet. Like, the whole time I'm waiting, like when she's like, oh, my God. Like she's, he's about to go in and kiss him, about hugging a guy just kind of like comes in the background. Like, Excuse me? Like, <laughs> like, but like, I mean, it's, it's, it's sweet. Um, but like, you know, you, you've talked about how Castaway has one of the most perfect moving in, movie endings and kind of yeah this is that castaway moment but castaway did it better yeah uh and people criticize castaway that's what i don't get uh we'll do castaway one of these days and i'll Please, argue yeah. that movie i haven't watched that movie in a long time i like castaway i mean anything with helen hunt and tom hanks tom hanks that's, and that's helen hunt. can we talk yeah. about that as a casting like that's holy like crap pierce brosnan and linda hamilton level of casting it, it is like jesus christ like my 
God, that's a great movie. Justin Castle. I would watch Tom Hanks and uh, Helen Hunt remake Dirty Dancing. I'm sure it would be oh, good. Yeah. Oof. Um, It'd be called but- Geriatric Dancing. <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> ben, come on. Uh, Helen Hunt hasn't had COVID yet, has she? Oh, I'd, I'd go save her if she did. Okay. Well, I mean, Tom Hanks would. Tom Hanks oh. survived COVID. Uh, but by the way, there is a post-credit scene in this movie, which is actually a pretty big post-credit scene. Uh, now, again, just to uh, state something that is not so obvious to most people, Marvel did not invent pre-credit or post-credit scenes. They actually stole it from the Godzilla movies. <laughs> uh, now, a lot of movies have had post-credit scenes, but I'm talking about a movie universe that uses post-credit scenes to tease the next movie. This is what the Godzilla movies did in their... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the era of the movies, like 2000 era movies, the ones that came out post Matthew Broderick, all of those movies, when the credits ended, you would have a post credit scene that would wrap up that movie and tease what's coming in the next movie. So we're not even talking about, Oh, well, it's sort of similar. Like Marvel 100% stole this from the Godzilla movies. So, you know, it did it first. I, I, any any chance to take a shot at Marvel fans? Don't mind the Marvel movies, just hate the Marvel fans. Uh, sort of like Star Wars. Don't mind the Star Wars movies for the most part, but I hate the Star Wars fans. Um, Except for those who listen to the Oz Network. They're great. Oh, like Chris Dixon. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. And uh, who? Uh, oh, and Lad Undercover. Uh, 999 love- episodes. I want you to all give us your honest <laughs> opinion of every single one. And fuck Chris Dixon will. Uh, let's let's. I don't know. What could we cover that Chris Dixon will not give us an opinion on? Um, I honestly can't. Kill Phil. Kill Phil. Guaranteed. You know what? We, we Chris Dixon. If you're listening to this, uh, we would love to have you a guest on Patreon. So if oh, you sorry. sign up, no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> if you sign up, I am putting this out there right now. This is for Chris Dixon alone. And if anybody else is curious. Uh, you can all sign up to Patreon. We have Patreon. Chris Dixon, if you become a patron of the Oz Network, if you pay us whatever per month, we will have you on as a spe- special guest to recap Kill Phil 1 and 2, directed Colin, by Ben Waterworth. <laughs> just, you don't think before you say things, do you, right? Like you just, you think I just nef- put money in you. This will be the only time you will ever make money off of Kill Phil. You, you, you think Patrick's annoying on Instagram messaging you. <laughs> I like Patrick. I like Chris Dixon. I don't dislike Chris Dixon. But, you know, when you have to mute someone on Facebook, there's something going on. <laughs> I've only muted about three people in my life. Um, and Chris, if you're listening, mate, please keep listening. We love you. 999 and pay us in. And pay us and you will cover. You deserve to pay us. The amount of stuff that we've had to deal with, Chris, you deserve to give us at least a dollar. <laughs> Come on. Uh, anyway, so the post credit scene here, uh, it does really raise another issue with Bri. Brie Larson is here in the first place because they're saying, uh, or Tom Hiddleston is basically saying to this two-way mirror, it's like, let us out. You know, we promise we won't tell the Russians. She goes, I promise I will tell the Russians. So it's kind of a funny line, but like her character would never have been hired by this top secret organization in the first place to take pictures because she's right here threatening to go to the Russians. And they would have done at least enough background to know that she's anti-Vietnam. She's anti-this. She's probably anti-government. I don't know why they ever would have hired her, but uh, big surprise. The person on the other side of the two-way mirror is good old Corey Hawkins. Uh, and good old underdeveloped female biologist. 
And they basically say, welcome to Monarch. Kong was not the only king. And we see all these flashes of the video they're showing, which uh, features uh, little glimpses of cave paintings and stuff like that of creatures we're going to talk about next week, like Rodan, Mothra, Ghidorah, and of course, Godzilla. And we end on Godzilla's cry. And Aaron Taylor thumb face doesn't <laughs> um, I'm, I'm so surprised, Colin, you didn't mention your favorite part of this movie, Man Burning Alive. Uh, what happened oh! there? <laughs> I'm still distracted by Jamie's picture of Man Burning Alive. <laughs> well, there's also Godzilla Burning Alive. I don't know if that's funny to you. But, um, yeah, I think, like, the action stuff at the end is not as good as I think is the action stuff at the beginning, but still some kind of cool shots. Um, random scared guy getting killed. Like, why? Sure, whatever. Um, there's also other random blue coat scientist guy who survived way longer than he should have. He randomly gets squashed. Um, I don't get when Brie Larson gets picked up and she's in Kong's hand and then Kong gets attacked by uh, Skullcrawler. She's in his hand the whole time. Like, I thought, yeah. like, he dropped her. But, like, he's there. Like, how is he not, like, crushing her when he's getting, like, bitten? Like, I'm sorry. He opens his hand up. There's fucking Brie Larson guts in her hand. And- like. And you know what? One of the dumbest things in Peter Jackson's King Kong was that Peter, uh, not Peter Jackson, but King Kong is holding Naomi Watts in his hand the entire time he's fighting two Tyrannosaurus Rexes. And that was dumb in that movie. And why do they repeat a mistake? Yeah, I, I and I'm guessing that is a homage to, to old school King Kong. But, um, and like, again, why, like, is the sole purpose of having a female character in this movie to make her emotionally connected to, like, cry because she's a female? Like, if that's the purpose, that's a sexist character. Like you're just automatically implying that it would only be a female who can be emotionally connected by. Like why couldn't you have fucking Tom Hiddleston have a tear down? Corey Hawkins. Yeah, like well, I mean, yeah, like- Tom Hiddleston makes more sense because this isn't about like okay, I get that her character is supposed to have seen all these atrocities in Vietnam and it's really jaded her. But that's with humans. Tom Hiddleston is a tracker. I mean, he's spent time in nature. He's guaranteed spent more time with animals. It should be his character. And, like, you can have that line, like you pointed out before, like, have his character the one who, like, survived an attack? And maybe this is his, mm-hmm. similar to what I was saying with Samuel Jackson, have this is like, epiphany moment, like, these are creatures aren't monsters, they're our yeah. friends. And, like, I'm so sorry, like, you were only defending yourself and all this kind of stuff. Like, I just I just feel that you've automatically got to have a female character cry because females are emotional. Like, like that's, you know, all strong female character. But, yeah, then you make her do, like, a stereotypical female thing, which takes mm-hmm. away from her character. So, um, also, like, my big gripe with the Brie Larson character is, like, this, the closing sequence when it's all, like, we're on a boat and we're leaving and we're going to keep this island a secret. Like, you know, this will never be like, have her destroy the camera. Like that makes her yeah. character like selfish and greedy. Like, cause she's all like, yeah, protect Kong. And Oh, I'm crying. Cause he's a, you know, blah, blah, blah. And let's protect these from the outside world. That's where she destroys the camera. That's where she should be like, no one will ever see this. You know, like they do that in Godzilla 1998 when like the bloody French people destroy Hank Azaria's camera. Like no, no pictures. Like, and he's trying to get the tape. Like Godzilla 98 did it better. Um, but like, I don't know. I, that just really annoyed me. And I was, it was similar to the John C. Riley thing. I was expecting a guy to show up. I was expecting her to destroy the camera. And when she didn't, I'm like, are you kidding me? So, like, she literally goes back to Time Magazine and front page, you know, person of the year or thing of the year is Kong, Um, which, I mean, again, maybe this is, though, explains why in 2014 it's like, sup, Godzilla, how's Kong? Yeah. Like, for, like, 40 years they've known these things exist, right? So maybe that's the thing. But um, 
I know that annoyed me. I don't really have a whole lot more to add. The, yeah, the closing credits sequence to me just sound felt tacked on. That it was just like, oh shit, we better connect this some way to what's coming up next. Um, because again, you've only got a few little things in this movie that even remotely feel like this is part of the same universe. Uh, and then when Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson are hugging, um, I'm like, oh, here we go. They're going to kiss. Um, <laughs> can I just say, it would have been a more believable kiss than Ray and uh, Kylo yes. Ren at the end of Rise of yeah. Skywalker. And there's no real sexual chemistry between these two in this movie as it is. Kong hitting the skull crawler with a boat propeller is pretty fucking awesome. That oh, is a yeah. cool scene. And particularly when he kind of looks over and sees it, and he's like, uh, and grabs it. Um, so, and also when Brie Larson falls in the water, did you not think of Skyfall? Did you not expect to hear like, oh, doo, yeah. Doo, doo, doo. This, <laughs> this is, is the end. <laughs> I, get, I actually haven't watched the, um, the Everything Wrong with video, but of course, if people watch those, they know at the end, kind of, they, they do like scenes and they'll dub it from other sort of movies because they're similar. I guarantee you that at the end of that, they've done that. They've, dubbed over this is the end as as she falls into the water because they've done that on a few different movies um but yeah no, this is enjoyable movie uh there's problems with yes. it but i mean i would gladly sit like as i said at the beginning of this like i i'm so excited now for godzilla vs kong because now i've seen the kong side of things i will talk about king of monsters in a sec i enjoyed that movie i enjoyed the first godzilla to me this is an enjoyable franchise so yeah uh so uh Get to box off for a second, but first, critical response. Now, uh, do you have or can you look up what Godzilla 2014's uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating was? I can find out for you, Colin Hilding, because you're my friend. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> Skull Island actually did quite well with critics. Uh, got 75% of Rotten Tomatoes, you know, for just a dumb popcorn movie. That's actually not bad. Uh, and there's some of the reviews here. Um, I like uh, Mike Ryan of Uproxx. Said oh, yeah. that uh, like. Skull Island is still a hoot. It uh, was a movie that was not at all on my radar as something I was dying to see, and yet I had way too much fun watching it. I just wish it embraced its craziness just a little bit more. But yes, there's still plenty of crazy to go around. Uh, Kyle Anderson of the Nerdist News said it's certainly not a perfect movie, but a lot of the characters feel like sketches more than fully fledged people, but it roars along enjoyably from start to finish. Um, Anthony Lane from the New Yorker uh, yearns to be a pop culture apocalypse now with the human foe removed, the political parable toned down and the gonzo elements jacked up. That's a very good description. Mm. Uh, Here's a a nice little negative review here, which completely agree with. Now this isn't even criticizing her character in the movie. This is just criticizing. We should uh, address the fact that this movie came out right after Brie Larson won the Academy award for best actress for room, which is an amazing movie. Uh, the uh, Anne Horniday, Horniday, ah, Horniday Anne. of the Washington Post said that Larson serves as a cautionary poster girl for aspiring actresses everywhere. One year, you're winning an Oscar for a sensitive, skillfully layered performance in an emotionally demanding drama. The next, you're widening your eyes and gasping your way through a great big monkey movie. Uh, very fair assessment. That That's almost a curse. Like uh, Halle Berry went from uh, Oscar winner to Razzie winner two years back to back. Brie Larson does this. I don't think Char- Charlize Theron had the best year after she won the Oscar well, for Cuba Monster. Well, so- Jr. is the, the poster child of that, isn't he? Oh, yeah, Basically. exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's actually interesting you say that because um, – I kept weirdly getting vibes of Brie Larson in this movie from... I got vibes from her too. I bet you did. Uh, Alicia Vikander, (laughs) is that her name for the Tomb Raider? Oh, Uh, yeah, Tomb Raider. And she won the Oscar the same year, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of... 
it's interesting. And like, I actually, I watched this movie going, Brie Larson would be an all right Lara Croft. Um, you know, yeah. kind of got a similar look to it. But um, it's interesting because what has Alicia Vikander done since she won an Oscar too? A pretty <laughs> subpar Tomb Raider movie, which I believe they're filming a second one right now, if you believe yeah. it. Um, yeah. I, I've got the critical reception for you. So um, I, I can tell you that all three of these movies have a B plus on cinema score. Metacritic, King of Monsters has a 48 both Godzilla and Kong Skull Island have a 62, which is also my favourite number for those wow. playing at home, for Ben Waterworth <laughs> trivia fans. And on Rotten Tomatoes, King of Monsters has 43%, Godzilla has 76%, Kong Skull Island 75%. So you're telling me critics out there believe that Godzilla 2014 is 1% better than this movie? They're the same critics who think that The Last Jedi was, what, 93%? So, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious here to see what audiences think. Let's use IMDb for a second here. Because um, we never I used it previously, so that's unusual. <laughs> uh, well, I'm waiting for IMDb to very slowly load here. Uh, awards! Now, this did get an Academy Award nomination for Best Visual Effects. Uh, my browser is now stalled. Can we see who won the Academy Award that year for Best it Visual was, Effects? I did look it up before. Um, fuck, I've gone Star Wars? Blank. No, it was... Um, oh, I literally had it open a second ago. God damn it, Ben. Oh, we're the worst. We are. Uh, all right, so Godzilla 2014 has a 6.4 on IMDb. Uh, Godzilla King of Monsters uh, is also not coming up. Uh, this is why our episodes run so long. Uh, six and uh, by the way, go to Godzilla King of Monsters. It's a very sinister-looking Millie Bobby Brown shot on the IMDb page. Like she looks like she's a villain. Uh, Blade, Skull Island six point six. Blade so, Runner twenty forty nine. Blade Runner twenty forty nine yeah. won the Oscar. Oh, okay, uh, that's fair. Uh, so yeah, of, of uh, critics, Godzilla two thousand fourteen slightly better reviewed than this. Uh, audiences, this is slightly better reviewed than the other two. Uh, so all oh, the battle is heating up here. Um, so yeah, other awards that this movie got nominated for teen choice award nominations for both Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston. What? Uh, for choice movie, sci-fi actor and actress. They were nominated. I mean, the teen choice, they have a category for everything. So there kind of is no option, but to put them in there. Choice knee. Uh, let's go to, um, uh, IMDb. Let's save the reviews for last. Those are always fun. Uh, plot keywords. Uh, is monkey going to be one of them? Giant spider. Giant, <laughs> a giant spider month. Uh, I'm going to assume that it and Lord of the Rings are probably going to be on that. Uh, pointless self-sacrifice. That is a great one. Uh, yeah. Why is my browser so slow today? Ben, fix Jamie, it. Jamie's probably looking up porn right now. <laughs> uh, uh, pointless self-sacrifice month. Uh, we could be talking about Kong Skull Island, Lake Placid Legacy. How many Lake Placids are there? They ran out of numbers and they just have to start subtitling them. <laughs> uh, Troma's War and Dino Crisis 3. I'm seeing a running trend here in monster movies are pointless sacrifices. I don't. Uh, there's not very good ones this week. Stabbed it's, Through the Mouth Month. How many of those have there got to be? Wrong Turn, body. Carnival Row, It Chapter 2, Riddick. Yeah. Uh, exploding body is Avengers Endgame, boss level, <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron, and Justice League. So, uh, sure. strip club, uh, helicopter explosion, oh, giant ape. There you go. That you were looking for, giant monkey. <laughs> there we go. Giant ape, Godzilla v Kong number one, Kong Skull Island number two, King Kong two thousand and five number three, Rampage number four. 
No, of course. Rampage is a terrible movie, by the way. Nobody watch Rampage. I, it might be Godzilla 2014 levels of bad. But it's got The Rock in it. Yeah, it's got um. What I was gonna say, Naomi Watts. What's the other one? Naomi Harris, uh, Money Penny. She's in it. What's the other uh, one? All the Naomi's. We've got, the, we always get the Leslie's and the famous. Naomi's confused. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, it, right? One star IMDb reviews. Let's see what type of idiots. Uh, I love the title here. Hollywood is committing suicide. <laughs> Um, they are pushing so many sequels, prequels, reboots, and offshoots that the cash-ins is going to make Hollywood collapse upon itself. Who needs any more reboots? One more X-Men in the world shall vomit unto itself. By the way, we had another X-Men since this review was written. Uh, a group of cash horror actors gather in a film studio to parody the original dignified metaphor that was King Kong. Now, first of all, uh, cash horror actors fair in this movie. Uh, this is not a film studio movie. We, we praise the location shooting in this. Uh, the film is marketed to kitties, kitties in brain and China. What? <laughs> Via the token Chinese eye candy, or in this case, plain vanilla, useless, whatever. You don't even okay. know she's in the movie. Like I, I, I saw something like, oh, you know, they're pandering to Chinese audiences. Like again, I'm halfway through this movie. I'm like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's she doing there? Does she even speak? I, I think she has like one line. It's oh, uh, uh, I think it's oh after he accidentally cut himself or whatever. Uh, uh, oh dearie, dearie me, <laughs> I'm a steep guy. Oh, this is just awful. I mean, truly dreadful. This guy sounds very British here. Oh, uh, the dearie me. <laughs> the movie is a scene-stealing mashup from many movies that 50-plus remember from groundbreaking movies, especially Apocalypse Now. I remember the 40-minus generation may not remember such cinematic masterpieces, but boy, this movie is lazy, 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 oh well, sad face. I like the one above it the from Paige Lund. If you like this movie, I worry for your future. This movie starts off great. You would think that it would be an all right show. Maybe not worth 10 bucks, but all right. Then it turns awful. Do not get attached to any character because I promise you they will die. Not just die, but die painfully, gruesomely, violently. You want to see someone get a giant bamboo spider leg through their body? Watch this movie. You want to see someone get their arm cut off by birds? Watch this movie. If you want to be disappointed, watch... Well, exactly. You you might be getting off on this. If you like it, you're probably kind of stupid and maybe a psychopath that loves watching anything to do with blood and gore. I've said my piece, spelled P-I-E-C-E. Oh, no, that's the correct spelling. No, I before E except after C. No, that's how you spell (laughs) piece. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what else has Paige Lund reviewed? This is it. Well, fuck you, Paige Lund. Shut up. Uh, I, I just want to say this is the most insightful review I've ever read. And sad, you know, they have the people can rate it. Did you find this helpful? Uh, so SSG Van Cranenberg wrote, don't bother. This is the worst movie I've seen in a long time. Five out of eight people found that helpful. <laughs> I also like the headline. Just No. Just no. Um, oh, this person wrote a list. What is their list? Is this movies they like? It, It, Pet Cemetery, Inside Out, Better Call Saul, Black Mask, Finding Dory, A Christmas Story, Lucy, Sneaky Pete, Dads, Gremlins 3, a movie that has not come out yet. Uh, all right. Everybody send your hate mail to SSG Van Cranenberg. Uh, I don't know where you're going with this movie. Um, as far as rankings or buying, you said you enjoyed it, but you also enjoyed the garbage that was last week. Uh, I'm definitely ranking this number one on our month so far. And uh, even though this is, as I said, a movie I do not own, 
Um, I always want to buy this movie. Whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, I should buy that. But maybe I'll wait until I can get the 3D version or the 4K version. But uh, I'm still buying this movie. It's definitely not perfect, but it is way better than Godzilla 2014. I mean, I'm buying it. I, I had fun with this movie, so for sure I'm buying it. And honestly, I think I might rank this ahead of Godzilla. Like, I, I Thank you. Like, again, Ugh. I enjoy Godzilla. I do. But, like, if I think about these three movies, like, if I'm just going to put on a movie to enjoy... Like, I actually just, like, I got a kick out of this movie, and I was like, wow, that's quite enjoyable. So, um, and again, I enjoy the first Godzilla. But having said that, I would rank Godzilla King of Monsters probably ahead of Godzilla as well. So, again, having seen it once. But, um, I mean, these are epic movies. I wish I had seen this on the big screen. Like, it's... I was oh, talking it was to, great. I was talking to somebody about it the other day that I really hope that in the next couple of weeks we're able to get some sort of normalcy so yeah. we can go see Kong versus Godzilla on the big screen because it's going to feel weird just watching it on a TV. Um... But, yeah, like, I wish I had seen this on the big screen because, again, as we've always said about these movies, these are epic enough to see there. But, uh, no, I'll I'll rank this ahead of Godzilla to keep you happy. But uh, unpopular opinion, Colin Hilding, Godzilla 1998, still a better movie. Uh, well, I, I like Godzilla 1998. Uh, anyways, um, next week we are going to get one step closer as we do the most recent Monsterverse film, Godzilla King of Monsters, a.k.a. Godzilla versus Rodan versus Mothra versus Ghidorah. Uh, I think we both saw this when it was originally out. Uh, I know I saw it uh, with uh, Jamie, and Jamie did a review with me, and I think you saw it maybe a week or two later. And I don't think you ever did a review. or did. I mean, we've definitely talked about the movie, and I think you said as well that you enjoyed it, even though critics hated this movie, that we both kind of enjoyed it for what it was, a movie that embraced the Godzilla monster movie genre a little bit more and, and critics suddenly took issue with this being a dumb blockbuster. Yeah. I, I thought we did a second episode on this, but we didn't. Um, I also see that you rented this movie and Jamie bought it. So there you go. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, I, I, I vividly remember the day I saw this in New Zealand. Like I can tell the epic story about how it was not really an exciting story, but I will tell it next week. But, um, I, I remember just seeing this and walking out, like, going, like, fuck. Like, it wasn't that it was, like, a like blown. Like, I talked about Godzilla. Like, I walked out, like, wow, that was pretty epic, you know, the scale of it. But this was more of a fuck. Like, I just spent, like, two hours watching giant things rip each other to shreds. Like, you just, you, you're vibrating as you leave the cinema because it's just giant yeah. and it's just huge. And, like, this is the whole point about it feeling epic on the big screen. And it's a dumb movie, but it's like, it's dumb giant monster. Like what, what do you expect going to see a movie? Like I'm going to see a Godzilla movie fighting like all these giant creatures. Do you expect like Casablanca or something like that? Like, I mean, I just, I don't understand when critics rip into it because at the end of the day, it's, it's what you pay for. Like, Snakes in a plane. It's what I, Godzilla? It's what Godzilla's been able to market thirty-five times over. Exactly. I'm paying to see snakes on a plane. I expect there to be snakes on a plane. That's yeah. all I want, and I got what I paid for. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. There's Godzilla. There's other monsters. They fight. I got my money's worth. So yeah. the critics are just like paid to be critical. I get it, but at the end of the day. You pay for bacon, you eat bacon, you want bacon. You don't want veggie bacon, you want bacon. So, like, and that's mm -hmm. what I got. I got bacon and then some. So, yeah, bring on King of Monsters. Uh, now, we're going to have another episode before we get to King of Monsters next week because very special thing coming up. It, I don't know when its timeline is, a couple of days. But our 1,000th episode is next. 
right yes. after this ends. Stay tuned after this commercial break. <laughs> and you can tell uh, we're so excited, awesome. right? That we're so <laughs> yeah. You're just like a thousand episodes. Cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that will be next. I mean, you have the schedule and all that. Uh, how many days are away is that from? Uh, just quickly, uh, did you mention the box office for this movie? I don't think you did. Oh no, that. I didn't. You're right about that. Uh, box office. Okay. Uh, let's wrap this up really quickly. This movie was a hit. No, uh, it made $168 million domestically. It made $398 million overseas, $566 million worldwide. Uh, opened uh, number one at the box office $61 million, beating out Logan, which was in its second weekend. And uh, then uh, Get Out was still number three after that in his third weekend with $20 million. The Shack and the Lego Batman movie. Uh, do you have uh, a list of where the MonsterVerse films rank against each other as far as box office? We'll save that for next week. Oh, well, I did I did have it. Well, I can tell you this is number two off the top of my head. Uh, I think they basically okay. go in order from, you know, Godzilla yeah. makes the most and King of Monsters makes the least. So, yeah. But thousandth episode. Uh, yes. When, when is that going up? Uh, in the next couple of days, um, we it will be released uh, probably over the weekend because we'll keep the schedule going up. But no, it's it's exciting. Like it was sort of something that we knew was coming up and thought we'd do something a little bit different for it. You know, we didn't really do something for Survivor Oz. I think you and I talked about that on the brink um, this week that, you know, it's kind of, we would have easily eclipsed a thousand episodes on Survivor Oz, but we never really tracked it that well to, to do that. So this one we have, and look, we, we wanted to go all out and get, you know, fucking Brie Larson or, you know, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston on the show, but even they didn't want to phone it in for that. So, but we do have a couple of surprises. We've, we've been working hard behind the scenes on some exciting new projects that are coming Coming up, so we will have some guests on the show. It will be more of a snippet tease, so you can hear their full interviews coming up. And we're just going to go over some memories. We might hear some hear from some uh, former, well, current co-hosts. No one's sort of gone away anywhere. Um, and we're going to count down our ten best moments, which yeah. I'm looking forward to, Colin, and why Kill Phil ranking that was number one. So. Uh, <laughs> Yes, the Ben Waterworth Vanity Project continues into episode 1000. We, we'll, we'll, we'll play like a clip from the first episode. We'll go over some stats. Uh, it'll be like, this is your life. Do you remember that show? Uh, the Oz uh, Network. I used to love that show. Uh, this is your life. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw it. It was basically they right, got a celebrity. What? They would like you guess know, what w- we're doing starting episode one thousand and one. We're covering <laughs> this is your life. So they would get like Wayne Gretzky, and they would basically like surprise him. Like he'd be doing a speech, and then the host would come out and be like, "Wayne Gretzky, this is your life," and would hand him a book, and then they would basically just spend an hour in like a studio going like, "You were born Wayne William Gretzky, whatever." On the blah blah blah. Oh you yeah, I've up. seen it. I've seen it parodied before. I think yeah. yeah. And they bring out a voice like, "Do you recognize this voice, Wayne? You're a little shit." That's right. It's your first coach from childhood. <laughs> John Smith. Oh, John, I haven't seen you in 30 years. Like, yeah, I used to love it. They did. It was, I just think they did an American version, but it was very big in Australia for a while. So, yeah. All right. So 1000 next and then 1001 uh, Godzilla King of Monsters and uh, uh, Justice League month is going to be coming after that. We're going to be uh, recapping or I guess reviewing whatever you want to call it. The Zack Snyder uh, Justice League cut uh, week by week and uh, Mighty Ducks. Um, Mighty Ducks 2. We're going to be uh, at leading into the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. We're going to be covering the entire Mighty Ducks trilogy. And maybe we'll have to see how much time we have. Maybe even another series of movie recaps for April, which uh, we're kind of excited about because it's something that we've long talked about doing and everybody's going to get a chance to kind of get involved with that. So stay tuned for another 999 plus episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. My name is Colin, and Brie Larson, call me. 
And my name is Ben and you're one ugly ass bird. And Brie Larson, don't call me. I'm fine. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.